0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter
1: at Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the
2: Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend.
2: Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Do what we can on this program. Every day to give you uh, the tools, the information you need to grow healthier, happier lives. Hello! Three more hours. I'm losing my voice. You
3: can't start the show and then say three more. I know. It sounds like you're already in
2: countdown mode. I, I actually am. We all are. The countdown. We should know that because China has to keep shutting down their stock market every 30 minutes. Every day. Come on! That's scary. That's scary. It's 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 making the world nervous.
3: Okay. At the same time, this, you you turn on the news, the stock market's dropped, and then a few weeks later, hey, a huge trading day. I know,
2: but this uh, is. You remember? Do you remember and when then you
3: pull up my I pull up my four hundred one k and you just see it continuing to rise <laughs> every few you know steadily steadily moving. You millionaires,
2: forward. you drive me crazy. You millionaires, come on. You've got all this poor Ben here. He's living paycheck to paycheck. He's okay. He'll make a living at some point. He always comes by my office and he says, any food for the poor? (laughs)
1: Please, sir,
2: can I have some more? (laughs) Do you have any old Christmas candy? (laughs) It's so sad. Hey, um, here's the deal. I don't know if if you heard about this. Climate change. Yeah? What about it? The UN got together. Made a world pact on climate. That's great. They came together and said, we're going to do stuff. We're going to be talking about it today with Dr. Kevin Trenberth. What does it all mean? Like, it just seems like to me when you have 196 governments get together. Yes. This was mid-December? Yeah. Yeah. Great In France, food, right? I bet. <laughs> sure. They had great food. But... They all flew their big jets there. Contributing to the problem. I and don't then, know how you get there without your jets, but. They, they created, well, they used to do it on camel well, and horse and donkey. But now. Feasible. But now we have a UN climate accord. So we're going to be talking about what that means. Or doesn't mean. Or doesn't mean. Or what did they come up with. and, and But one thing that is certain, at least these, these countries and the world, they're buying into climate problems more than ever. Slowly, yes. Thus, that's why they. this is the biggest gathering ever to discuss climate. And
3: they were really happy with what they did. They, yeah. they so, were cheering. They were But what hugs. did they do? That's what we were going to figure but, out. Yeah. was that When it happened, we both kind of looked at each other like, what does this mean? Yeah, what does and it mean? mean? Well, then it acc- acc- comes back and
2: our Congress has to do it's something. It's a
3: non-binding right. accord. It's not like they just created a new law. They have an agreement. But they're talking. And the last time they did this, our government opted out. Yeah. And we're one of the biggest polluters, so if one of the biggest polluters decides not to participate, then who cares?
2: <laughs> we're also one of the biggest paychecks, right? So yes. we'll write the check for a lot of this, and so we're going to ask the good Dr. Kevin Trenberth what uh, on earth it all means. He's a senior scientist in climate analysis uh, section at the National Center for Atmospheric Research. It's a big. Is that I, no, be, I that's, bet that's got an acronym yeah. behind
3: it. What if, it's not Noah. That's a different one. No, he he built an ark. By the way, yes, he did. Great, a great boat. Great I saw. The, boat. I saw the show.
2: <laughs> did, you, did you see the show? Yeah, it had Have giants. Have you read the book? Well, I read the you book might a couple read times. The book the it was really
3: short. It was only a few pages, but the movie went on for two and a half hours.
2: By the way, talk about movies that go on for two and a half hours. You had this like magic
3: dust that put all the animals to sleep. It was crazy.
2: Yeah, I just read the book. If I were you.
3: Go to the book. Oh, well, the book was quick. It didn't give all the details. Well, I know that's why. And maybe... it wasn't Russell
2: Crowe as Noah. So, what are you going to do? I'd go to the book. Might be a better <laughs> source for you. Uh, Donald Trump's on it, by the way. On what? He's on the the dangerous cruise potential fiasco. It's... I came in like a rocky He's got a great theme song. You know, <laughs> this this will be his theme song. Can you imagine he wins the presidency. And this is the song that
3: they play at his inauguration. I like how his aides say that he will be a, a toned-down version of himself if he wins the White House. Wow! I'm like, really? You're They're gonna somehow corral that somehow?
2: He Fix never that? said Cruz no isn't eligible I, to be
3: president. I watched the uh, interview on CNN, and they were talking with him, and he goes, "The Washington, I think it was Examiner." one of the Washington papers, asked him a question. He goes, they brought it up. It wasn't yeah. me. But he, and he goes, and I didn't answer no. energetically. I just answered and moved on, and they, they made it into a bigger deal. But it's a concern.
2: There are Democrats that believe, there's like six of them in the world, that believe... You only need one. I know. <laughs> that believe that Ted Cruz may not be eligible because... His his mother's an American, father a Canadian. He was born in Canada, but never had an American passport. And then there were some claims that he had a
3: Canadian passport, which I, he denies. Right, but yeah. so He did denounce that at some point before he announced to run. It's
2: not like Donald is the kind of guy that would question somebody's citizenship. Yes,
3: he is. He won't talk about that either, but he is. Really? Yeah, he sent private investigators to Hawaii <laughs> to find out if President Obama was worth his birth certificate. He was helping. And then when the the He's city helper. the city uh, what whoever runs the records office in Hawaii walks out the door with the document, he goes, "That's suspect. We're going to have to investigate and look at that further." Can the guy not help? Help what? A presidential candidate. You know. He's trying to make it so that there's no difficulties in the presidential process. I think it's nice. He's trying him. to stream. He's looking out for us.
2: Yeah. He's on it, folks, so the rest of you can
3: relax. Or, or he's doing his thing where he uh, is causing problems by diverting the whoever is at fault for beginning it. He always points out I heard these other people talking about
2: yeah, it. Yeah, and, and – and. South Korea they asked him on uh like NBC today um would he go in and preemptively strike North Korea and he's like no i have people that buy hotels a hotel room, or or uh, condominiums i, have, re- for I me. have real estate i have I, friends i, I, I got to think about he does that. that same line
3: so how is he going to be a president china if, if he's worried about his he's real a, estate holdings know, all the time that's true.
2: he <laughs> he actually said we, I just bought 4,000 TVs from South Korea. These people make a lot of money. Well, South Korea. Well, he says South Korea is going to have to start paying us for protecting them from North Korea. And China is going to have to control North Korea. And he'll make it happen. Okay. It's brilliant.
3: Well, it's something.
2: Same thing with Saudi Arabia. They need to pay us to protect them from Iran.
3: Or they could It continue. sounds like
2: a shakedown. <laughs> like, oh, Yeah. I mean, I guess our, we've probably been shaking them down for every everybody forever. Just return the favor. Anyway, um, that sounds so negative. But uh, Ted Cruz is is doing well. That's why he's. That's why Donald's paying attention to him. He just doesn't want Ted to win someday, maybe. Right. And then not be able to and go then, against. Then we, then we have
3: against. to deal with a Canadian in the White yeah. House. What's up with that? <laughs> that would be hard. Hmm. Uh, hate mail. Hate mail to BYU Radio.
2: Is there? But is there going to be any? I mean, it just seems like it's pretty quiet right now, politically. Well, they're, they're all yeah. just—they're to... busting—they're busting their gut to yeah. get Iowa visited. Every one of the ninety-nine—they've all
3: precincts. I, I, What I saw yesterday, Trump has visited Iowa. They think it'll be about one hundred times by the time wow. the caucuses come up. But like Rubio's there two hundred times. And most of the candidates, when they show up in Iowa, they go to multiple events. I thought Rick Santorum actually – Well, Santorum's been to – He's City. been there every day for yeah. nine years. And it's really not eight helping. years. Uh, but they go to multiple events where Trump just sort of flies in on his plane,
2: does one event, and flies out. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Well, I heard he just lets his plane circle Iowa, and they keep seeing the Trump sign, and they're like, wow. I, I'm nice waiting plane. for leaflets. Did you hear about Vice President Joe Biden says he regrets every day that he didn't end the race? Sure. Uh, if you want to be president, thanks, I, Joe. I get that. Yeah, <laughs> Joe. You're, he Joe's out of the cycle officially. Nobody should give him any more attention except as just vice president. Because remember how long he teased everybody for running? Oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. run. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. Yeah. Now he's still teasing. I wish I had run. I wish I had run. I wish I had run. Yeah. No, Joe. We're just done with knock you. Knock it
3: off. We're done. We paid attention. <laughs> Moving on. A lot of people wanted you to run too, the, Joe. New, the governor of New Mexico, his name is uh, slipping by me now, he declared his intention to run for president. He is not intention, but he his candidacy. He is running for president.
2: Oh, for for this cycle? Yes. Well, did he not know that we started this race? Well, as a libertarian. Okay. So, yeah. that That's <laughs> actually really smart because- there is room for that candidate now. There is. I mean, there is. There is. So, interesting. Okay. Look into that if you want to vote for So we've for, talked uh, pretty much China, climate control, uh, Trump. Let's just get to the rest of the headlines. Terry, anything else going on around the world? There is. 17 miners are trapped
3: 900 feet underground in a salt mine in upstate New York after an elevator broke down late Wednesday night. Eight of the miners who were trapped inside the elevator were rescued this morning in Ithaca, New York, by the Ithaca, New York Fire Department the remaining miners aren't in any danger (coughs) excuse me the county spokesperson says efforts were underway to bring the rest of the miners to the surface they received supplies through the night and says a spokesperson so that story will be ongoing all morning arizona senator john mccain weighed in on the eligibility of canadian-born senator ted cruz to be president on wednesday saying that the decision might be left to the supreme court I don't know the answer to that, McCain tells the Phoenix radio station. McCain added that he faced a similar question when he was the Republican nominee in 2008 because he was born in the Panama Canal Zone when it was a U.S. territory. He goes, yeah, it was a U.S. military base. That's the difference from being born on foreign soil, so I think there is a question to this. Cruz's mother, a U.S. citizen living in Canada at the time of his birth, Donald Trump raised the issue when he... When he told the Washington Post this week that the Texas senator's Canadian birth would be a big problem for the Republican Party if he won the bid. Mm. So interesting there. The House of Representatives passed legislation Wednesday afternoon that would repeal Obamacare with a vote of 240 to 181, uh, primarily along party lines, as you would expect. Uh, President Obama said he would veto any bill that dismantled the health care law, and Republicans do not have enough vetoes to override his vetoes. They don't have enough votes to override the veto. Yeah. Uh, in Oregon, continuing with the standoff, Harney County, Oregon officials held a town hall meeting last night. Many of the speakers at the meeting said they didn't agree with the tactics of the armed men who took over the refuge Saturday, uh, led by Nevada rancher Ammon Bundy. But many of those same residents said they did agree with the message. Still, a majority of speakers said they would like the, the occupiers to leave the county. Early in the meeting, Harney County Sheriff David Ward asked for a straw poll of who would like the militants to peaceably, or peacefully return to their homes. nearly every hand in the room shot up in an effort to explain this story to the nation. Trevor Noah on the Daily Show. Mm-hmm. he had this to say.:
4: And Now the challenge with this situation is that the backstory is really boring, but the story's exciting, but the backstory is just like because there's, there's a trade dispute group of rebels a son following in his father's footsteps and i mean how do you get this information out in an entertaining form
3: oh boy there you go (laughs) it's a trade dispute it is a trade dispute. you got rebels father and son (laughs) it's star wars so Oregon is he, he was, Tatooine. Is he that was, what he was calling is? it Land Wars, and then they had like a huge scroll and they uh-huh, told great. the story. So it was kind of funny. That's great. But it is the the comparisons are interesting. <laughs> Multiple residents volunteered to travel with the sheriff to the uh, wildlife refuge Thursday morning to ask the militants to go home. So we'll see what really happens okay. See how that goes. At one point Wednesday afternoon, twenty thousand people were watching a puddle in Newcastle, England, on Periscope. Why? Why not? There were 20,000 people watching this puddle. They were uh, People were glued to their phones as they watched and critiqued how pedestrians tried to cross this body of water in this suburb of Newcastle. The originator of the live stream, Richard Rippon, became so interested by the different ways people were trying to cross the large pool of water. In an interview with the BBC during the live stream, uh, he said, We haven't had anyone fall in yet, but there's still time. The depths of the puddle varies. It's quite deceptive. You, I haven't uh, – so I, I, I've i tweeted out links. Did you, uh, you, de- did you really? <laughs> I've tweeted out links to a story about it so you can read more about it. And also uh, with Periscope, it records it all and saves it. So there's a link to the entire live stream if you want to watch that hey, that i tweeted out also. Hey, Jerry, are you done with
2: that report yet? Uh, almost, sir, just
3: watching the puddle. And there's just people trying to jump over it, people trying to run through it, and then they like would step
2: really deep into the Holy cow, the we puddle. need a life. This is not good.
3: Also, you can find a water, of the suppo- water from the puddle, <laughs> supposedly. Someone took a bottle, yeah. filled it up with murky, dirty, yeah. muddy water, and you can buy that on eBay if you want. The purchase last check was at around $89,000. Do you want a bottle of puddle water? Are you kidding? <laughs> They're watching this puddle. It looks like it's in a park type area and it's deeper on one end than the other and so people were kind of That
2: makes sense. We have construction going on right next to our building. Oh yeah. and we we can all be found watching that. I should just set up a periscope and go watch the excavator dig. You should. It's amazing. And then we could go get some dirt and put yeah. it in a bottle and sell it. And
3: then people were critiquing what was going on and they're like, "Ooh, that one almost fell in." And they were kind of cheering for people as they navigated the pool. So. A
2: lot of our producers sit there and just, I don't know, what's the word? Uh Oogle? Is that the word? They, I don't know if they
3: oogle. They're oogling. They create fake narratives of entire lives of people operating heavy
2: machinery. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad, folks. We used to have purpose in life. We used to want to be more. We used to have goals and vision. Now we have puddle watching. Anyway, we'll take a break, folks. When we come back, Dr. Kevin Trenberth will be joining us and uh, helping us understand about the U.N. Climate Accord... What did come out of the uh, 25 or 2015 United Nations Climate Change Conference that took place in Paris, France and how will it impact you and your family here in the United States? Stick with us folks giving you the insight, the information you need to know. This is the Matt Townsend show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, after two weeks of negotiation, 196 countries approved what has become a historic climate agreement. The U.N. convened in Paris, France, in hopes of changing the way energy is produced and consumed, and uh, in hopes and efforts also to uh, fight climate change. And, uh, you know, it's a confusing—climate change has always, you know, been a little contentious and— but it seems that if you can get 196 countries to join together for two weeks to, to create some plans around the idea, man, at least it seems like the world's getting on board with the need uh, to protect to protect our environment. So we wanted to go to the experts and find out what we could learn, what really came out of, uh, of the Climate Change Conference. And so we've asked um, to join us, Dr. Kevin Trenberth. From Boulder, Colorado, he is a senior scientist in the climate analysis section at the National Center for Atmospheric Research. He joins us now to hopefully help us understand the UN Climate Accord. Uh, Dr. Trenberth, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show.
5: Uh, yes, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, everyone.
2: Great to have you and and help us understand. I guess the mag, you know, the magnitude of this. This is this the largest, you know, gathering. Of um, of countries, even since even bigger than the Kyoto Agreement, is this the biggest gathering on climate change?
5: I would guess so. Yes, I mean, who even knew that there were 196 countries?
2: Right? <laughs> yeah, that could be involved, huh? Is it is – it, I mean, I, I have a doubt that when 196 countries get together, it seems like with the bureaucracies and then the the, the need to take all of these ideas back to their individual countries to have these um, these agreements approved, did anything really get accomplished?
5: Yes. Well, perhaps before we <clears throat> go into that a little bit, I mean, the, the, the first and, and most important part of this is that this is really directed at climate change. And the thing is, we use the atmosphere as a dumping ground for uh, all kinds of stuff. any time we burn anything, the emissions go into the atmosphere. Carbon dioxide is emitted, but there's also all sorts of pollution. And uh, we do this individually, uh, every time we breathe uh, in our homes. Uh, and we do it uh, on a statewide basis. We do it nationally. And, and, of course, we do it internationally. And And so this affects the atmosphere. The atmosphere is a, a global commons in that regard. And, uh, and this is really a, a problem of the tragedy of, of the commons where it's perhaps in everyone's best interest to exploit this commons uh, in order to gain the most value out of it. But if everyone does that then it's a catastrophe for for everyone as a whole. That's what the Commons aspect refers to, and and this is indeed why 196 countries have come together. And so, um, and so, uh, you know, from the standpoint of the atmosphere, the United States has put more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere than uh, any other country. Uh, and the thing is, it's really cumulative because carbon dioxide has a long lifetime. But at the current time. Uh, China is putting much more into the atmosphere on an annual basis than any other country, and so China, the Chinese can argue that you know we're changing their climate, and we can argue that the Chinese are changing our climate, right. and uh, and we can make all kinds of accusi- accusations. And the United Nations framework is one where we try to bring everyone together. In order to uh, produce an accord for going forward that will not produce disastrous changes for our climate system
2: so this is this is this really is uh, you know a major i think advancement. the mere fact that we with one hundred and ninety six nations we are coming together to talk about this global commons, the atmosphere um, did when they sat down, how do you how and how did it go? how did the conversation go when you have some of the big offenders uh not necessarily maybe fully buying into what's going on or what their their impact on it, and some of the smaller countries that maybe don't have the poll that don't have the finances to to even live up to some of this accord
5: yeah so there are there are a number of different blocks that actually form in 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 this kind of uh political arena. Um, there's the, the Western countries, which perhaps have been more responsible for the problem than anyone else. Uh, there's the developing countries who say, hey, it's our turn. We want to exploit the atmosphere now. And there's uh, the small island states in particular who are the biggest uh, victims because of rising sea level and, and stronger storms and, and issues like that. And uh, And so um, the The developing countries and the the small islands and so on, they want to know what the Western countries are going to do firstly to prevent the problem but secondly to compensate them and help them to adapt to the the problems that are inevitably coming along mm. and uh, and so all of these things are going on uh, in, in terms of negotiations um, you know the 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 meeting in paris was cop 21 that's the conference of the parties number 21 and these started with the signing of the or the ratification of the un framework convention on climate change and so they have they've been annual meetings and uh the kyoto protocol was was assigned at one of the earlier uh cop meetings as one of the outcomes of this and and so there have been attempts to do this before on the science side, there is an activity through the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which I have been very much involved in, that puts out the science basis for this. And there are three major working groups under that, uh, under the IPCC. The first one deals with the science of climate change—you know, what's happening and why, and, and what the expectations are for the future. The second one deals with, well, what are the impacts? What's the Uh, what's the consequences of this, and what might we do about these? How can we adapt to climate change? How can we build more resilience to uh, the kinds of changes that we're expecting? And then the third one deals with the mitigation aspects. This is trying to stop the problem in the first place, trying to stop the emissions going into the atmosphere. And so all of these aspects are, are, well, from the IPCC, there are, long reports that have been written making recommendations on, you know, if you do this and we expect this and so on. But then it's up to this kind of a meeting to decide exactly what to do. And there are all of these aspects that are involved in this uh, agreement.
2: Wow. I mean, really, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's so many different entities, so many different issues, categories of issues. Um, It was about a two-week event, wasn't it?
5: Yes, it was. And the thing about the U.N. framework is, I I, I mean, we, we work with that under the IPCC, and it's, it's I have to say, very difficult because it requires a unanimous consensus. Oh, wow. Unanimous. Yeah. And, and so there are all kinds of negotiations, very careful negotiations over words, individual words um, that go into this. And as a result, you don't actually want to have a document that's too long. Um, and this this document was what some thirty pages or thereabouts, mm. uh, and uh, and the full two weeks, uh, you know, the negotiations went on into the night hours, the wee hours of the morning, and, and I'm familiar with that. And so uh, and so the unanimous consensus is a real difficulty, and therefore one has to uh, one, one can't expect that this agreement is going to have major teeth uh, or or to be really sharp, and I think it was a major accomplishment in Paris that this actually happened, hmm. because the previous attempt to do this was in 2009 in Copenhagen when we thought that the reports from the IPCC were strong enough to bring a, an agreement uh, together, a political agreement together, and the expectations were high going in, but it ended up being uh, a complete uh, failure, really. And uh, now Paris is the is the follow-on to, to this. Uh, in fact, after the, the the subsequent IPCC report, and unfortunately, uh, um, there has been an agreement, but it's really only a framework, as as you said. Yeah. It, it it lacks a lot of specifics. It it's it's been called toothless in <laughs> in some respects. It's it's voluntary. Uh, there's. There's no compensation for loss or damage, and there's there's no penalties uh, involved in these. And so we can talk about those. Yeah, kinds in of
2: fact, things. let's talk about the, the accord itself. Um, I guess um, was passed by in the conference in COP 21. Except now it needs to go back to all of the countries, the participating countries, and then they need to be willing to come back within a year or so and and actually sign the agreement and ratify it. Is that the is that kind of the process?
5: Yeah, so the the whole process has to be ratified and it uh it's designed to begin at the end of the Kyoto Protocol which ends in two thousand and twenty and it enters into force once it's ratified by at least fifty five countries.
2: Okay. Yeah.
5: Which um and, and also uh which which cover at least fifty five percent of the global greenhouse gas emissions. So it doesn't help if it's just a lot of little tiny mm-hmm. countries. They've got – there's got to be some substantial countries in there, but um, you know it, it won't include uh, the U.S., for instance, because it won't be going to the Senate uh, for ratification. And the Kyoto Protocol was not ratified by the, by the U.S., one of the very few countries, a handful of countries around the world that did not ratify the Kyoto Protocol.
2: Yeah, that's I guess that's a whole other game, too. In fact, let's let's do this. We're speaking with Dr. Kevin Trenberth. Let's come back, Kevin. And um, I'd love to get into like, what are some of the specific changes? I know one of those uh, is about um, the degrees Celsius uh, goal kind of um, information. We'll we'll talk about that. I also want to talk about what we can just do as an average family in the United States to, you know, to take better care of our uh, global commons, our atmosphere? What can I also do to teach my children um, to, to be more, to be, I guess, more climate focused and a little healthier there? We'd love to ask, get some of your insights about that. We'll take a break back with uh, distinguished senior scientist, uh, Dr. Kevin Trev- Trenberth here on the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back.
6: I to reduce reuse, recycle
2: reduce reuse, recycle reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle welcome back everybody to the Matt Townsend show hey uh, we're talking about climate change you uh, you may remember um, the the big uh, 196 countries gathered at the UN climate um, Nations climate change conference and uh, out of it came a, an accord, and so when 196 countries with incredibly diverse needs and and histories around uh, climate change and um, and emissions from their industries, um, it, it's interesting to see what we would come up with. So we've asked Dr. Kevin Trenberth to join us to talk about what they did come up with uh, in this uh, in this um, in COP 21, they call it. And um, he's here to to give us that insight. He's a distinguished senior scientist in the climate analysis section at the National Center for Atmospheric Research. He was also the lead author in 1995, 2001, and 2007 um, on the scientific assessment of climate change reports from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC. He was talking to us about that a few minutes ago. Dr. Kevin Trenberth, welcome back to the show.
5: Yes, I'm... Uh, good morning, everyone.
2: Great to have you. Now, um, out of I, – I, and I want you to explain this to us because one of the, the the parts of the agreement aims to decrease pollution levels so that the rise of global temperatures is limited to no more than 2 degrees Celsius, uh, 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit, above pre-industrial averages. Tell me what that means to, to the average American.
5: Yes, so uh, the pre-industrial values are usually referred to values, say, in the late 1800s or thereabouts. And since then, carbon dioxide has gone up in the atmosphere by more than 40%. Uh, So the pre-industrial values are estimated to be about 280 parts per million by volume, and we've uh, just gone over 400 parts per million by volume. And so at the current rate of increase, we can easily be at say double uh, the, pre- the pre-industrial values, the 280, in other words, up at 560 value parts per million by volume by, by mid-century uh, or thereabouts. So going along with that, the global mean temperature has been increasing. The main increases in, in global mean surface temperature associated with this have really kicked in after about the 1970s. And already we are at about one degree Celsius above the pre-industrial values. Uh, 2015 has gone through that threshold. Now there's a little part of that which is related to the El Nino event that's going on at the current time. So there's a little spike associated with that. But, you know, we're nearly halfway there, and at the current rate, we will be there somewhere around 2060, and, and so the, the, one of the big concerns then is that this rate of change uh, can be quite disruptive. If you can slow it down, then a lot of adaptation can occur. It's often referred to as autonomous adaptation. The farmers can adapt their strategies uh, as to what plants they, Mm. what seeds they grow, what plants they grow, uh, what uh, watering and fertilizer strategies they use, and uh, and the evolution of ecosystems can occur more naturally if it happens slowly enough. And so the rates of change actually are a major concern.
2: Oh, yeah, because I guess, too, these island nations, if this is – if we're warming at a slower – much slower pace, the the island nations could find other solutions or prepare in different ways as well.
5: That's that's correct. And for the island nations, of course, sea level rise – is a major concern, and so since 1992, we've had satellites in space that are measuring the global ocean to millimeter accuracy using altimeters uh, in space, and and since that time, sea level has gone up about uh, 2.3. Um, inches or something like that. It's going. Uh, the rate of increase is about uh, 3.2 millimeters per year. Is the is the unit that is used, and that's a clear indication that the that the planet is warming. Firstly, the ocean is warming up. We can measure that and, and therefore it's expanding. And secondly, there's all the melting of glaciers and uh, um, and land ice uh, parts of Greenland and things like that mm. that's putting more water into the ocean. And so sea level rise is a major concern and the way in which that gets manifested on the island states is not the gradual sea level rise but it's it's the sea level rise plus a high tide plus a storm surge and the next thing you know you've yeah. got uh, devastation
2: yeah you're not an island so, anymore wow yes it's true and
5: so we we're seeing that in different places around the world already
2: it's and it and it, this is such a complicated thing because there there you know there are kind of the naysayers that don't believe in it but in reality no matter what and i love the the term i guess it's just kind of a universal term not necessarily your term but we do have an atmosphere and it is a global commons and it belongs to everyone and so why wouldn't we do everything we can to understand it and to to care for it
5: well indeed this is this is the case but of course anyone who who has a vested interest in dumping carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, and there's right. a lot of industries that that do especially fossil fuel industries and and especially coal related industries and uh, and so it has these this has consequences for everyone um,
2: you and, the, and the, in the accord they come up with the number was it a full two degrees or was it one and a half i can 't remember
5: well, there was discussion about. Lowering the the target to mm-hmm. one and a half degrees instead of two degrees C, I thought that was quite misleading because I don't think we can possibly hold the increases in temperature to one and a half degrees, and it's going to be very difficult to hold us to less than two degrees cel- Celsius uh, as it is because um, we're already halfway the reason- there, right? We're already halfway there, and the carbon dioxide that's already in the atmosphere is going to continue to be there for 100 or more years, and so that will continue to have effects. The The oceans respond very slowly, but even if we wanted to make a lot of changes now, it's not economic to make many of those changes except as things phase out. So. For power stations, for instance, the planning lifetime of a power station is something like 35 or 40 years. Hmm. And so if you have a power station, even if it's, say, halfway along that that lifetime, you don't write it off. You can't write it off instantaneously. You have to wait till the end of its lifetime after 20 years, and then maybe you can replace it with uh, a whole raft of uh, windmills and solar panels or or other technologies. Uh, But you can't simply write these things off, and so it takes... 20 to 30 years to actually make major changes in the infrastructure and then it takes another 20 or 30 years for the climate system to really begin to feel the effects of those and so unfortunately a lot of what's going to happen in the climate system is already locked in for the next i would say 30 years 40 years anyway and the changes we make start making now have their main benefits uh after 40 years and further out and they're Highly desirable to do, but we have to recognize that uh, it's going to be very difficult
2: is is this a hard um, science dr Trenbirth, to to know that you, everything you're doing is is playing out thirty forty years later i mean it's like there's you don't get the immediate gratification of having an accord and then seeing a change within five years
5: well th- this is right, and of course part of the difficulty is that it 's not just the response of the atmosphere to the changes that are occurring because we have all of this other stuff we call weather and (laughs) natural variability going on. And so we have huge fluctuations that go on from day to day. We have events like the El Nino event, which is going on. El Nino is a a natural phenomenon, and it causes uh, fluctuations about every Uh, It was an El Nino event about every three to seven years, about every four years on average. And the current one we've got is one of the three biggest on, on record. And so there's a lot of what we call natural variability, and therefore there's a lot of Uh, what an engineer would call noise
6: Mm in the system
5: before you can see the signal of climate change. And so we have to look at things like, oh, the global sea level is going up steadily. There's a very clear sign that the planet is actually warming, and we can't ignore that. And then the question is, well, how is this actually manifested in the day-to-day? What are the symptoms we should actually be looking for? And indeed, we're getting a much better handle on that kind of thing. And, And one of the things, unfortunately, is that the storms get more intense and, and more severe, and there's a greater risk of flooding. And then in places where it's not raining, the droughts become yeah. more intense because there's a bit more energy to dry things out quicker. And as a result, we have uh, record uh, wildfire seasons as we have had this past year.
2: It's, and, then, and then you're dealing with just the rest of us as humans that sit there and say, well, it can't be warming. I'm freezing this place is cold right. and, and and then the others like and then they're loving the the warmer temperatures back east it's 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 really an uphill climb and then we go make this accord and we come up with this goal but in the goal nobody really discussed exact specifics for what how or what we were going to do really right
5: yes how to achieve the goals is a is a major issue it's left up to individual countries and also um and also the the Green Fund is a major oh, issue. And, and discuss
2: funds- that, because that that also, I guess, becomes part of the rub, because certain countries are going to be paying more, but those were probably more of the polluters, um, to help other countries be able to afford cleaner technologies and, and cleaner advancement.
5: Yes, and so this relates to, can we transfer technology to enable... Uh, small island states or, or, or developing countries to help deal with this? Can we uh, give them uh, solar panels or wind power uh, rather than have them uh, go through a phase of um, having a major coal-fired power station? You know, and this is what's been happening in China right. and India with a tremendous increase in the amount of coal-fired power stations that's, that's boosted their economy, certainly, but with tremendous costs. Both in terms of the local air pollution and the air quality, but also in in terms of climate change, and so uh, and so this also relates to who owns this technology and, and patents and things like that, and and so uh, it turns out you know you're not just free to be able to even give these things away, but uh, as a result there was this green fund set up which is supposed to be populated. With billions of dollars, and I think the U.S. has pledged, what, $3 billion towards mm. it. But where's that money going to come from? And, uh, and it, it's far from clear. And so this is where the whole issue of uh, a so-called carbon tax, uh, you know, I, right. I think there needs to be a price on carbon. And how you do that can can vary from one country to another. But this is one of the things which is going. We're going to see a lot more discussion about. I think in the next couple of years, how do we uh, put a price on carbon that provides the incentives for the private sector to get into the act and to become uh, to develop these new technologies that may help save the planet?
2: I see. And again, and that you can already, I can already hear the future arguments about that just in our own congress um talk about we've only got a well, couple yes but oh, go ahead kevin yes
5: but yes but the thing related to that is the is the you can look at conservative governments like the one in the uk in in europe and in europe they do have carbon taxes in place and if you've ever been to the uk and, yeah. and uh, bought gasoline you'll, you'll you know what yeah you know it costs, what, $7 a gallon <laughs> right. or something like that. And so there's a carbon tax built in there, the same thing with electricity. And so there's, our, there's incentives to to be very efficient and to cut down on your use of that kind of thing. And, in fact, that is exactly what activates the private sector. And uh, the, the minister from the U.K. has just been visiting this country and has argued that, in fact, Uh, This is the conservative approach to doing this. And, you know, why isn't the U.S. conservatives adopting Mm. this kind of approach of involving the private sector? Yeah.
2: No. And and again, why anything with with what's going on with our political world? Um, Talk to me. We've only got about a minute left. um, And I really want you to help kind of just me, my family, the average American as a as a senior scientist. Um, with the National Center for Atmospheric Research, what can my family do? What can I do as a dad to make sure that we are responsible, uh, not naive, not just putting our head in the sand? What can what can I do to either push my politicians or to just take care of my part of the atmosphere?
5: Yeah, so recognize indeed that there is a cost to burning fossil fuels, and there's a lot of hidden subsidies for them. Uh, and so use of renewables uh, on my house, I have installed uh, photovoltaic uh, solar panels, uh, for instance, and Colorado has had a program to help that and and uh, some states have done this a lot uh, better than others. Uh, other um, efficiencies that can be introduced, you know, driving Uh, smaller, more fuel-efficient cars, or or even riding bicycles, one of the biggest wasters of energy are things like uh, clothes dryers. Uh, you know what's wrong with hanging clothes on the clothesline <laughs> and using solar power right uh, little little things like that there are a number of uh things uh, i mean riding a bicycle is actually a lot more healthy also
2: absolutely uh,
5: in, than than driving a car and so there's uh, a lot of uh things that that help the environment and actually may help your bottom line as well but uh, <laughs> and your waistline but, uh, right yes that's right
2: is um is when when you think about it there's hope, I guess. I mean, it, at least we're finally discussing it and maybe agreeing about it a little bit more. Do you see hope in yeah, so the, um, being able to curb this?
5: Yeah, so this is, this is a very hopeful agreement, but it's a, it's a framework, and we'll have to see how countries respond. Unfortunately, there's no penalties. There's no, there was no discussion at all in Paris of tariffs. So what happens if a country, you know, doesn't go along and then starts producing low-cost goods by exploiting the environment, by polluting the atmosphere? Uh, Shouldn't there be tariffs on their goods uh, in order to uh, make them stop that kind of a practice? But, of course, this involves foreign trade. It's a different – usually a different person in the government, a different minister that that deals with that than deals with the environment. And this is actually why it becomes a very difficult problem because it involves – so many different parts of the government
2: that's right and and then taxes and money and um and business and economies well we appreciate you dr kevin trenber thank you so much for your great insight into all of this and um folks it's it's our atmosphere common right it's commons it's global commons we probably ought to take care of it right if uh if you want to have it we'll take a break folks this is the matt townsend show we'll be right back
0: With more coverage of BYU sports than anyone else, we're now giving you more ways to listen than anyone else. Tune in to Sirius XM Channel 143, stream us live at byuradio.org, or take us wherever you go with our new Droid and iOS mobile apps. And keep up to date with all things sports by following us on Twitter at BYU Radio. Bleeding Blue has never been so easy. Follow the Cougars on BYU Radio.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, Dr. Uh, Trendbirth just said, maybe ride more bikes. Maybe, you know, if we just get out and ride our bikes a little bit more. Well, uh, a New York City man took him, I think, quite seriously. Jeffrey Tannenhaus from New York City rode a bike from New York City to California, 2,700 miles across the country, 17 states, now, here's the crazy thing. He went along, by the way, Route 66. Um, however, he did it all on a distinctive blue city bike that he checked out in Manhattan on August 6th. So you may have seen uh, in your city where they have these uh, like city bikes where you can actually share a bike, put some money in, take the bike, bring it back, drop it off at another location. And it's just a share program on a bicycle. Uh, he, he took the bike and then left New York City and headed off to um, to California. He just, you know, he, he said his job was ending. He couldn't stomach it, getting just another job. He didn't want to go out there and do that. I was out of options in New York, and I thought of the great American road trip. And he, uh, he basically says, I didn't expect to go very far, you know, maybe down to the Jersey Shore at the most. But along the way to California, Tannenhaus saw Washington, D.C., the Grand Canyon. (laughs) He had friends that he found, you know, in their RVs. He just got all the way to Santa Monica. By the way, in the end, he owed New York City $1,200 and a bike. (laughs) They need their bike back. Interesting stuff, folks. Um, It really is. uh, It's our world. We need to take care of it, and you don't have to get... You can get argumentative about the science, but you, you just – if you've ever just sat there behind a polluting truck or bus, you know what it feels like to just – it's not good. So instead of just fighting everything, let's just try to be better, do what we can do, and uh, and 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 pay our fair share along the way. We'll take a break, folks. That's hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. Next hour, we'll be coming back. More ideas, more tools – to help you find the good in the world, stick with us, friends. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side. Follow
0: Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
5: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
5: BYU Radio. BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. This is the program where we give you the information, the tools you need to live and grow a healthier, happier life. Uh, You know, there's a lot of news out there. You can listen to the news anytime you want. However, uh, a lot of the news doesn't necessarily go in-depth on what you need to know for your family, for your friends, just for your own maybe mental health and well-being Uh, Welcome to the program. The goal of that, that's the goal of the show. And today, a great guest that will be joining us in um, just a few moments, uh, Professor Jeff Jenkins from Brigham Young University here. He's going to be talking to us about mouse clicks. Did you know that when you're angry, people can tell just by how you move your mouse, how you access your data online, it gets a lot less clean when you're angry. Yeah. Yeah you're just frantically just
3: uh, yeah pressing buttons I totally see that also the the fact that the mouse stops working oh cuz you smashed it yeah. yeah or yeah or you... yanked it out of the computer and you have to go <laughs> crawl back underneath and plug it back in right unless you have what I have with a wireless one then you just chuck it across the room don't yeah. worry about it in fact look at you, you hear Ben's mad yeah Whoa. are you mad Ben you seem angry what's wrong watch those scrolling wheels are not cheap be careful with that <laughs> wait that is it, it's so interesting that uh the mouse is the mouse. Yeah. It could have originally people thought that the mouse would not work. Right. That people did not want to interact with their computer with this thing that you held in your hand. Mm-hmm. But now everyone uh can't I, I, home I, I, it. I see people on their laptops and they use the trackpad and they do that. I can't do that Does at that all. Does that drive you crazy? I love the mouse. I need something really really focused so you well, can Well is that specific- why you carry yours around the office? I do. That's weird. I have three more in my bag
2: that I bring with me just in case. <laughs> what you got there, bud? My mouse. Never leave home without it. I always i i bring mine into the studio because I don't like to use the trackpad either. Yeah, it's too. You. I, I tend to just sort of fumble around mm-hmm. and I can't get to where I need to be quickly with a mouse. You just point, click, boom, like boom, boom, boom. You can do it. By the way, today, January seventh, I'm not going to take it any more day. Yeah. I'm not going to take it. It's not going. to I'm do done. It. With the parent previews, so take died. a hike. <laughs> <wrong against> <laughs> wow! Like Ben, he's not taking it anymore. That's he's pushing we, every button, including commercials that we've got. Um, I've got to tell you this story, and because it just to me typifies um, a really bad day, a really bad day for somebody. You ready?
6: Take out the papers and the trash.
2: Police in rural Manitoba. Are you- say impaired driving uh charges are pending against a Zamboni operator. Oh,
3: right. This, this was before Christmas, yes. I remember.
2: <laughs> this officers part. received a complaint Saturday about a man during a hockey minor hockey league game in St. Anne, southeast of Winnipeg. Mark Robichaud, chief of town's police department says the machine was stri- striking the rink's boards and moving erratically around the ice. <laughs> Can you just see that guy? He looks like one of those little remote control cars you get that run into the wall and then turn and then run into the next wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, officers said that the driver um, spoke with the driver of the Zamboni and placed him under arrest. The man is in his 30s. He was new to the ice-cleaning job. Um, He's since been released from custody, by the way. He's now facing charges of impaired driving, refusing a breathalyzer, and resisting arrest. Yeah. But impaired Zamboni driving, a new Zamboni driver, because you you really got to do it like in perfect lines and there's a skill there. There is. But it's kind of like the little Roomba. Yeah. That if you just leave the Roomba on all day, it'll eventually get all of the floor. Yeah. It'll just do it in a zigzag. Just don't step on it when it crawls under your foot. But a Zamboni driver's only got what? Five minutes to clear the ice, clean the ice. Yeah. Get her done. And, you know, it was his first, you know, probably big game. And he probably had a few beers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So funny. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to keep a job. It is. Especially when it's a Zamboni driver and you're impaired. Yeah, it could be worse, right? <laughs> could be worse. Hey, um... Let's uh, get to the headlines. Terry, anything going on around the world? There is. Thanks, Matt. Dow
3: Jones Industrial Average sank 333 points at the opening bell this morning. S&P 500 futures dropped 39 points, while NASDAQ 100 futures tumbled 113 points. Do you know what that means, Matt? Trouble, trouble. Yes, that's basically what I was implying. Trouble. In Fears parents. over China's growth and current currency devaluation ricocheted throughout global markets on Thursday, sending U.S. stock futures tumbling ahead of the opening bell in China. The trading day was over just as it began, thanks to a swift sell-off. For the second time this week, Chinese equity markets tripped their newly installed circuit breaker or mechanism used to prevent panic selling just thirty minutes into the start of trading. Hmm. Well, you got to do that.
2: We need a circuit breaker on this show. Uh, uh, whenever we start whenever we, whenever it like starts coming apart okay going out of control I think it should just go beep just to dead air
3: well who's gonna make that judgment well I'm sure Don will that's what I'm saying <laughs> Don how often is he gonna push, push the, the button, button. After North Korea announced that it had successfully tested its first hydrogen bomb, the United Nations Security Council on Wednesday unanimously condemned the test and began to work to implement new measures against the nation. Even China, one of their only allies on this planet, strongly opposed North Korea's actions. Russia also disapproved of the test. However, White House officials have said that the initial analysis appears to be inconsistent with North Korea's claim of of a successful test. uh, There's been uh, reports in Japan that there are three... Uh, intelligence-gathering airplanes that have taken off, presumably to fly near North Korea to take air samples to see if uh, what has what residue remains right. in the air is consistent with their claims. So basically, no one's believing what they did. Yeah. Well. The seismic information from the, those, the earthquakes that were recorded are similar to previous tests, which weren't hydrogen bombs. Hydrogen bomb apparently is much bigger than what, what they have uh, reported to have before. And? So it should be... A bigger event. And those
2: white horse-like animals with one horn. The unicorns? Their herd of unicorns they have. Those also aren't real. True. Allegedly. Those are just... Because I
3: don't want to say it's true and all of a sudden they present a unicorn. Those are white horses (laughs) with a little horn taped to their head. The standoff in Oregon continues... The Oregonian had a post yesterday about some interesting things that have happened during this standoff. What? PETA came out to the the occupied compound Wednesday to dole out vegan jerky and urge protesters to keep animals out of their business. Wow. So. They they don't seem
2: like two groups that are real simpatico. No. That was the odd part about that. The (laughs) Harney
3: County Sheriff's Department... Uh, joined Twitter and Facebook on Monday to keep media and, uh, and residents abreast of the situation. The sheriff's office, which uh, oversees about 7,400 people in that town and in that area, in that county, uh, has never been on social media before. So hmm. the police, de- the sheriff's department got Twitter and Facebook over this. We got it. So get- that's interesting. <laughs> when pla- that should be a fun uh, account to follow because do the sheriffs know what they're doing? Nope. <laughs> so that would be interesting to follow. <laughs> Hashtag. Clueless. When planning for the occupation, it seems most of the protesters remember to pack their firearms and an extra pair of camel cargo pants. But uh, they forgot the snacks. Mm-hmm. They put out on social media requests for snacks like beef jerky, energy drinks, that kind of stuff, and uh, cold weather gear. People need socks, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of some interesting things that have come It out.
2: seems like they didn't plan this out quite like they should have. I don't know if they wanted it to
3: go as long as it has. But luckily but... PETA's got some vegan jerky. Shut, apparently they've shut the power and the phone lines off, so we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., and Mike Piazza, the new members of uh, Baseball's Hall of Fame. Ken Griffey Jr. setting a record for the highest voting percentage after being named on ninety nine or 99.32% of the ballots. Hmm. There were three writers who did not vote for him for the Hall of Fame. Wow. They're on the list. Yeah. If you want to make a list, you can do that. There's three guys. They actually published these names. Did they really? So you can figure that out. Um, let's see. Going on. Uh, oh, pizza. Love it. Health food, yes. You think so? Yes. I
2: am the healthiest human ever known to man. Depends on how much you eat, probably. Well, and what type of pizza? Okay. I mean, if you're having the all meat heart attack, whatever we call that, yeah, the coronary, probably less healthy. Okay, that would that would track. But if you eat, let's just say a veggie, two, pizza? two large veggie pizzas, a thin double crust, cheese, thin Do- crust, double cheese, maybe yeah, not cheese is just dairy. Eh, Dairy's good. Dairy comes from cows. Well,
3: it's not just the pizza that will kill you. It is now the box. Well, no one's eating the box. U.S. Food and Drug Administration announced that it will ban three chemicals commonly used in food packaging. Oh, boy. Pizza boxes due to concerns that they cause cancer. The offending chemicals are applied to cardboard food containers as oil and water repellents. (laughs) It is the stuff that keeps the pizza box from getting soaked through with grease. So while pizza boxes are one of the more known applications of these chemicals, they're also used in thousands of other products. So in the end, as this article says, just eat what you want. See, Everything's going to kill you at some point. You're not going to die from pizza. You're going to die from the pizza box. The chemicals that are keeping the pizza from soaking through the box. So Mm -hmm. would you rather have a grease-soaked box or would you rather have the current situation?
2: What, I can't have both? I'd rather have a, yeah, a grease-soaked box. But the problem with that is then I wouldn't be ingesting chemicals that make me waterproof. <laughs> See, the neat thing is someday, sure, we're going to die because of the box, but we will resist water. When we're standing out in the rain, it'll just beat up on us right. and just fall off. You're like, I'm
3: water-repellent. This is great. Oh, that's kind of scary. So the, the chemicals in the box, I was going to name the chemicals. What? But I didn't want to. Okay. Because for the most part, it doesn't matter what the chemicals are. It's the fact that they, are, they exist and they're on the box.
2: Let's just call them
3: death chemicals. Death chemicals. There's three of them. Or the special sauce of pizza. So any, any, any sort of packaging that needs to repel oil and liquid would have this chemical. Yeah. Or these
2: chemicals. Which isn't a big deal if you're not going to be consuming what's inside. But because it's
3: the food sits on mm-hmm. the box and need... kind of leaches into the right. food, I'm calling that flavoring.
2: It... <laughs> this pizza tastes weird. kind of like a – I don't know. It's less chemically. It's less chemical. What's the word? It's less, it's less acidic.
3: So I love my there's a definite FDA concern. They put out this. It's more of a suggestion than a full warning. But they're you're going to ban these.
2: But and again, we don't want to worry people.
3: No, it's in all your food. You're fine.
2: You're much more likely to be killed by a vast influx of immigrants Isn't it funny? Everyone's so fearful about everything now. Yeah. So all the politicians are ringing up the fear-mongering, and everyone's talking about fear-mongering. And now we're fear-mongering about the pizza box. The pizza box. I just have a rule at my house. Don't eat the box? Kids, stay away from the box. <laughs> oh, man. It is a wonder that any of us survived. Because 20 years ago, we didn't care what was going on in the box. No. My, the child safety seat I sat in as a kid yeah. was
3: metal. And then it had it had like some foam padding wow. yeah. on on the bar yeah. Yeah. and I think it was duct taped at Hold one it. point because it started falling apart. You had a safety seat? Yeah, I know. There's most kids, most people no. grew up with no safety seat. No, most check. of the time through my childhood, we just slid around the back seat of yeah. the car. Yeah.
2: Well, in my childhood, polyester was big. So parents would dress their kids in polyester, highly flammable by the way, and then we would just slide everywhere we went. Right. It, you know, and they used to have plastic coverings on on the furniture. You couldn't even sit on a couch the whole time; you're it's just sliding. Just... <laughs> See, and we didn't care. My, I drove all the way to California in the back seat of a car without a seatbelt. Not even the back seat in the back window. Yeah, you just lay up in the back yeah. window. Yeah, with like oh, through through Bakersfield, through Death Valley, <laughs> 120 degree heat. I'm just back there c- cooking. And people are worried about a pizza box. Yeah, pizza box. Holy (laughs) cow. What's going to happen to us, folks? You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Parents, now you know. Just trying to give you the information you need to live longer, love stronger, and uh, hopefully not die from chemicals in your pizza box. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be uh, talking with a professor here from Brigham Young University, um, Professor Jeff Jenkins, who's been doing some research on what your mouse can tell you about your emotion how you use your mouse with your computer it tells you a lot about uh, where you are emotionally interesting stuff Uh, a fun little uh, interview coming up stick with us folks this is the matt townsend show we'll be right back Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Have you ever visited a website that drove you crazy just trying to get through the site? Um, And the longer you were on the site, the more frustrated you got. You couldn't get to the information you wanted. Well, wouldn't it be good for the business owner, the site owner, to know you're struggling? But maybe, you know, how are they going to know that? I guess if you leave a note saying your site is horrible to navigate. Well, our next guest, uh, Professor Jeff Jenkins here from Brigham Young University, he is um, he's finding out that, you know, there's a lot of ways to understand human behavior. And one of them may actually be paying more attention to their their mouse, their computer mouse, and how somebody is moving the mouse and working the mouse, especially when it comes to a website. And he joins us here today. He is a professor um, at Brigham Young University in the Department of Information Systems. He received his Ph.D. in Management Information Systems and has been doing a lot of research on not just uh, you know behavior management but also uh, technology and information systems. So, Jeff Jenkins, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show.
7: Thank you. It's a pleasure to... Be with
2: you. You' bet. great to have you because I read I read an article about your your research that I just found it so interesting that our, our emotions actually are manifested in how we work our computer mouse. Is that right?
7: Yeah, that's right. When people are frustrated or mad while they're navigating a website, we found that the precision of their mouse cursor movements decreases pretty substantially. And uh, they also start moving a little slower,
2: hmm hold on so so their precision of their mouse clicks goes down, and they they're, and yet they're still moving the mouse slower. You'd think they'd move it faster, and that would cause the 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 lack of precision
7: yeah, you would and that's exactly why the lack of precision is such a strong finding. It's because it's not that they're moving faster, it decreases the precision but rather because they have less of an ability to move precisely while navigating their website.
2: How interesting. And there's got to be a correlation because if I'm making – if I'm less precise in my, my movements, I have to make more of them, which seems like that would make me more frustrated.
7: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> oh, you, you may be onto something really big here. Now, tell me how you even got into this research. Why are we even studying mouse clicks in the first place?
7: Yeah, so about four years ago, I was talking with one of my colleagues at a conference, and it was a conference that examines all things sensors, so cameras, thermal cameras, other technology that can try to understand how people are feeling and and what they're thinking. And as we were listening to this conference it occurred to us, a lot of these behaviors that they're trying to measure can be measured very accurately through a computer mouse hmm. or a touch screen on a cell phone, and so that started our research uh, agenda, where we use the computer mouse, the touch screen, uh, other sensors on your cell phone, to try to understand the user better and understand what they're thinking and feeling.
2: It's so true. I have a touch screen right here um, for to play certain sounds and things, and. I notice it too when I'm in, when I'm when I'm feeling pressure or stress. I'm a lot less accurate, you know. And but it, it, I, I guess I can sit there and see uh, the business application of this as an owner of a website. I'd like to see who can manipulate or, or work my website effectively. What are other uses of this technology?
7: So the the primary use that we're thinking of for this pr- technology is to create a better experience for the user. Um, this may include. Passively collecting information saying, oh, man, this, this process right here, uh, when they're checking out, is really tough for people. We should change it. Hmm. And, uh, a few other applications of this technology is when we detect frustration, we are able to maybe adjust the website. Hey, th- this website's too difficult. Let's give them an easier version going forward. So it's an i there's also this idea of dynamically adjusting a website in real time huh. to better, better meet that person's need
2: yeah maybe provide more prompts maybe um i didn't even know when i go on someone's website how do you know that's so strange to me i never thought you could see my mouse i just thought you would see me click on the link
7: yeah actually most Big company websites you visit all track where your mouse is as well.
6: That uh, so is interesting. This, hmm.
7: Some pretty simple code in the web page allows them to track where your mouse is, what you're hovering over, um, what you're avoiding.
2: How fascinating! Does with your research, um, I, I'm assuming that a lot of companies might be interested. Have you heard from companies? What are they thinking? We Corporate have. America.
7: We, we've talked with some companies. Um, They think it's fascinating, especially that we can start deriving information about what people are thinking and how they're feeling based on the mouse cursor movements, and so they're exploring ways to implement this and use it.
2: What would happen if you could create a website? It's kind of like we always joke about the DMV, right? In every Uh city, every joke is how long the DMV line is, but how powerful if instead of being frustrated and making the DMV a worse experience or making a really difficult website a more difficult experience, what if we could be coached through it, have a guide come in when you need it, and, and make it uh, easier and, and facilitate it? Well, where do you uh, see you're going to continue to take the research going forward? What are your goals as a researcher now?
7: Uh, so in addition to emotion, we are exploring other things we can detect. Uh, for example, expertise. Uh, there are ways we are exploring to To get at someone's expertise in a certain subject area, Hmm. that allows to again adapt the website to uh, be quicker to use for experts and more user friendly for novices in an area. We are also investigating how to apply this to make websites more accessible. For example, we have uh, a project going on where we're able to monitor hand tremors uh, that may, uh, and websites that aren't. Easy for people with hand tremors to use. We're able to adjust them, so they use different techniques to basically improve the usability of that website. Hmm. And we're also doing a lot of research into the mobile device. What can we learn by how someone's holding their phone with the accelerometer and gyroscope?
2: Oh wow! Yeah, I wish you could. Um, I wish you could detect when somebody is using their cell phone while they're driving. And then yeah, just turn the phone off. Wouldn't that be interesting? interesting. Yeah, Because, I mean, how many times are you mistyping? Or I guess even predictive typing could be interesting as well.
7: Huh. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I mean, that if you're going nice. to use these ideas now, Jeff, you you got to throw me a little credit. Okay, so if, you're, if you go <laughs> yeah, into that, <laughs> put my name on the well,
7: paper. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking on radio shows saying <laughs> we... Came up, this, came up with this idea on that's, the radio. That's
2: right. I'll have you back for sure. Um, well, I really think it's, I think it's fascinating, and I guess too, what you're telling us is we're on the cutting edge of a lot of really interesting uh, access points for information. Um, if now we can gather, garner data and information by just how we're using a mouse or a touch screen, um, especially because the world's going to mouse and touch screen kind of applications. There's really no limit to what eventually we can know by how we interact with our technology.
7: Yeah, and the mouse and the touchscreen are just the beginning. You think of your smart devices and what they record. Um, and there's lots of research about how to use that data responsibly to help benefit the user.
2: Hmm. Wow. And you're just getting started, aren't you? Um, and I assume you've got a really interesting um career going here but it also seems like a lot of your students here at BYU might be way into this type of technology. Do you notice that the your students, the younger generation are, you know, taking on this type of research more readily than maybe, you know, some of us older folks would have?
7: I yes, I have students approach me every week saying they're interested in this and they they want to help out. And so it's a lot of fun to work with them. And I think they also really appreciate the experience that I I can give them from interactions with companies that want to use this. Mm. So uh, very exciting, both from the entrepreneurial uh, desire of students and their desire to do fun research.
2: Yeah. Well, we appreciate you. Professor Jeff Jenkins, keep up the great work. There in the Department of Information Systems, and uh, man, folks, who to thunk it? Your technology—they're learning a lot about you. Just as you're looking through Amazon trying to negotiate, uh, you know, a purchase, they're gathering data on you. They're finding out a lot about you. We're going to take a break, come back, and be talking about. Um, I'm going to give you maybe a different approach to New Year's resolutions. Something you may not have thought of. Um, I'm not a huge believer in jumping onto the New Year's resolutions band. I like it. Um, but uh, there might be a better way to approach change in your life. Stick with us, folks. We'll be doing a Coach's Corner up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. To the Matt Townsend show, you know it's a new year. New Year's resolutions—I'm sure you've probably made a few, and for many of you, you've already broken them. Um, I've never been a, a huge believer in the New Year's resolution game. I, I'm a big believer in goal setting and and um, and you know being resolute, being convinced and strong and firm in uh, your plan and in your goals. I, I believe, though, that. It's um, there's a lot of pressure for the New Year's resolution. There's a lot of, you know, f- focus on it temporarily. And, and yet what I found causes the bigger change isn't necessarily a goal. It's sometimes just a shift in our thinking. And so one of the things I, I wanted to just suggest and share and share with all of us uh, today as, as we're starting this new year is maybe we focus not on necessarily New Year's resolutions or goals, but how about just focusing on the intangibles that we want to have this year? And why I, I mention the word intangible is humans are very prone to believe more what they can see or touch or 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 do. We believe more um in the tangible things of the world, like the book, then we necessarily do the content so have you ever, for example made a new year 's resolution i've done this for years where i'm going 'm going to run more i'm going to work out more i'm going i'm going to work out more now, what I need are some shoes i'm going to go get some shoes so I can work out more right. And we end up making the workout be more about having my shoes so I can work out. Or, oh, I need a gym membership, a very tangible gym membership where I can go to the gym and the gym itself will then get me to do the workout that makes everything right for me. So we set the goal more on the tangible. We might set the goal on getting a six-pack, right? Or you might set the goal on... Improving your 401k by $10,000 or whatever the number. In the end, though, the reason we don't achieve the goal, it's not because of the tangible. That's just where we focused our attention. But we generally don't achieve the goal on the intangible, which are the things that actually we don't ever notice, we don't pay attention to. But they are the biggest predictors of ever accomplishing a goal. One of my favorite quotes says, it's not the bars that hold the tiger in. It's the space between the bars that holds the tiger in. If you go to the zoo and there are bars at the zoo in the tiger cage, but the bars are four feet apart from each other, then you're in trouble. You need to get out of there. Bars are the tangibles, but bars aren't the key to holding an animal in check, right? The space between the bars are. But the space is the intangible, and we don't ever pay attention to that until – It's so vastly off that we now have to pay attention to it. So let me give you an example. If you want to have a six-pack, that's a tangible goal. You want to have, you know, your abs rippling strong. Very tangible goal. There are some intangibles, though, that are going to make or break that goal. For example, your thoughts about weight, about life— Your feelings about your gut and what it might feel like to have the six-pack. Maybe your relationships and your habits. Now, to me, those four things, thoughts, feelings, relationships, and habits, those are intangibles. You didn't say you want to get married this year. A lot of us say, I want to improve my relationship with my wife. Great. But when we say that, what do you want to do? Well, I'm going to take her on more dates tends to be more tangible, right? So let me walk you through this, and and hopefully this will, will help all of us. A great start to any type of goal, instead of asking what you want, why don't you, I mean, instead of asking for a tangible thing, why don't you just simply ask yourself this question? What thoughts this year, if you could elevate them, would create the most positive impact on your year? What thinking do you have in your head that needs to change? Do you have certain thoughts about yourself? Do you have self-talk that, that beats you up and throws you down? Are there thoughts that you continue having toward your family or your friends that you need to replace? Can you turn some of your negative thoughts into healthier thoughts? And maybe more importantly, what thoughts do you want to experience daily? Instead of the negative thought every time you look in the mirror like, oh, I'm fat. What if the thought was that you wanted to have this year— is you know what? I'm, I'm getting healthier. I'm feeling better about my life. I'm looking better in the mirror. I'm more confident about my abilities. I want to have the thought to be able to just jump in the pool and not second guess if everyone's looking at my body. It's just a thought. But most of us don't pay attention to our thoughts, do we? We pay in te- attention instead to the goal, the outcome, the abs, the weight loss, or what have you. So, here's a simple question for this new year and answer it just as you're driving to work or driving around. What thoughts, if elevated, would create the most positive impact for you this year? And if I were you, I'd go answer that and write those down. What thoughts do you have about your partner? What thoughts do you have about your job? I need to improve my thinking about my work. Second thing we could work on are our feelings. What feelings? if elevated, would have the most positive impact on your new year. What feelings do you notice constantly end up kind of overwhelming you? If you have feelings of being no good, then I'm going to bet you could attach that feeling to a thought. Every time I look in the mirror and I see my body, I think I'm ugly and then I feel uh, negative, down, depressed. So let's start working on the feelings. What feelings do you want to have for this next year? And I want you to go actually search it through. What feelings have been haunting you over the past years? What feelings tend to occupy your body, your day in, day out? Are they more positive? Are they more negative? What feelings do you continue to have about your life and your future? Do you have hope for your future? Or does it seem daunting, like, ugh, never going to happen? What feelings would you rather experience? And what's the most important thing you can do this year to create healthier feelings that you're seeking? Notice, both of those are intangibles, thoughts and feelings. They're very real. Don't get me wrong. I know, you, I know you know your thoughts and I know you know your feelings, except those aren't usually what we're setting the New Year's resolutions around. If you want to have a healthier life and a healthier New Year's resolution, man, let's work on thoughts and feelings. Okay? Let's take a break. We're going to come back. When we come back, I'm going to give you two more keys, two more intangibles we should be focusing on for the new year. And if we do, I promise by focusing on the intangibles, it's, you're much more likely to create some tangible change. It's powerful stuff, folks. We'll take a break. We'll come right back. More Coach's Corner with uh, Dr. Matt. I'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. We are doing a Coach's Corner, uh, giving you my take, my version on some pretty healthy New Year's resolutions. Um, I mean, I know a lot of you have already, you know, you're already on it. But I I think it comes down to about 5% of people in the end actually make New Year's resolutions and keep those New Year's resolutions. So... Keep it up, folks. Uh, Let me just suggest, though, there might be a different way to approach a New Year's resolution that could increase the odds that you are going to actually succeed. And I'm calling it the tangible versus intangible approach because most of us end up focusing our time, our energy on a tangible goal. And when you're goal setting, that's one of the things that every expert would say. Yeah, you've got to have a very specific, tangible type of goal. I agree. I totally agree. The problem with it is there's a big jump between having a tangible goal and understanding the intangibles that make it work. Every single time I've set an exercise goal, it was my intangible motivation, my intangible thoughts, my intangible uh, needs, beliefs, feelings. Sometimes it was my relationships and sometimes my habits, all of which are intangible. They're all kind of inside of me and need, and, are, and are directed by me that end up derailing my goal. So instead of spending all of your energy on something that's incredibly tangible that you can believe in, you might want to also focus on the intangible. So far, I've talked about two things uh, that are intangibles that you need to be asking yourself. Your thoughts. So this year, what thoughts, if elevated, would create the most positive impact for the year? If the thought is that you need to improve your sense of uh, self-respect, respecting yourself, your own sense of self-esteem, valuing and believing in yourself, if that's the thought, then let's work on that. Let's not try to do this in reverse where I'm going to go get abs, an incredible six-pack so that I can feel better about myself. Why don't I feel better about myself and then start setting some tangible goals? Now, you could do both, right? And I would love you. If you want to do both, go ahead and do both. However, most of us just set the tangible goal and we don't really dig into the other stuff, especially our thinking, because that's harder. Yeah. I don't like to think about my thoughts because it makes me think bad thoughts. And then I feel negative feelings. The second uh, intangible I was talking about before the break, you got to work on your feelings. What feelings, if elevated, would you – would have the most positive impact On this new year for you. What feelings do you need to change about you? What feelings do you need to change about your view and your feelings about your life, about your job? Is it negativity? Is it a feeling of overwhelm? Is it a feeling like you have no energy? What's the feeling? Third intangible, relationships. What relationships need a stronger connection this year? Now, I'm not talking what people. I'm talking about relationships. What relationships in your life need a stronger connection from you? Your conscience is telling you all the time, I'm losing my kids. I need to spend more time. I need to pay more attention to my kids. Time, you can probably block out and, and go get more time. But I need to know what relationship because that relationship matters to you, obviously. What people in your life do you want to get closer to, connect to, or make a closer part of your life? What relationships need more attention from you this year? By the way, those relationships may be different than last year's relationships. And you can you can adjust and focus on a different relationship if you need to. What relationships, if improved, will most positively impact the quality of your peace in your life? What relationships are the most important to you and your highest purposes in life? And what is the most important thing you can do this year to improve connection in these relationships? So set some goals around the relationship, around the thoughts, around the feelings. Last but not least, around the habits. What habits, if established, would most elevate what you're trying to become this year? What habits, if you were able to accomplish them, would help you become the person you want to be and get into understanding the habit. If the habit is a habit of exercise, if the habit is a habit of um, uh, smoking, drinking, if you want to cut back on unhealthy foods, what are the habits you want to work on? So of all the things in your life, what are the most important things that you do that make you the best person you can become. So to me, that's all a habit is, right? All a habit is, is what you do. So what are the actions you need to work on? And um, then when, when you answer the question, well, I need to work on my exercise habits. Then what you could go back and ask is, great, what thoughts do I have around exercise that need to change? What feelings do I have that need to change? How can my relationships influence or enhance my ability to to keep this habit makes sense. It's it's a different approach, and it, a lot of you may be thinking, "Well, I do that, I do that." But what what I find in the end, every time, every time I fail in one of my goals, it's going to come down to a thought that I'm not dealing with effectively past, present, or future, feelings that I'm having or have had that I haven't dealt with, relationships that might impede or enhance, and or my habits. I'd work on those parts of your goal setting, not just on your six-pack. And here's the coolest reason why. When I, um, when I have my thoughts aligned to a more healthy me – And my feelings are now coming and flowing. That, by the way, in my world is called motivation. Motivation is when my thoughts are aligned to generate the right feelings to get the right stuff done. And if I fix my thinking and my feeling to create a healthier vibe and a healthier direction, then I might actually find out that as a 46-year-old male who's never had a six-pack – That I probably don't need one, but I do need, I wanna be healthier, I wanna be fit, I wanna fit into clothes better. And what's amazing is by having the right thought and the right feeling, I'll actually probably end up setting better tangible goals. And I'm also not limited to just one tangible goal. There are 500 different ways I can become healthier, not just a six pack. Does that make sense? I'm telling you, it will it will free you up because once you get the principle right of thought, you'll have a million options for how else you can think healthier about yourself. It might be able to use your other talents. It might be able to use other um, other you know strengths that you have in order to elevate your thinking. So, four basic things: thoughts, feelings relationships, habits. Thoughts, feelings, relationships, habits. And you could even wake up every morning and just think, great, today, what thought do I need to elevate? Don't don't work on the thought you need to – that's broken. Work on the – just say, what do I need to – what thought do I need to improve or elevate to have the greatest impact today? Okay, I'm going to be positive today. Positivity. Be specific. What is it? What is it about positivity? What drains me at my Positivity. And and try to create a, a healthier view. What would it look like if I was feeling positive today? I'd get up and I'd run out and I'd spend time having breakfast with my kids. Great. What would that look like? And what would that, what does that make you feel if when you're out there on those days and you're effectively dealing with your kids? And then get to your feelings. I'd feel better. I'd I'd, I'd leave the house. I wouldn't feel as much guilt for not having had conversations with my kids before they went to school. Great. How would that strengthen the relationships? Oh, profoundly. They'd trust me more. They'd talk to me more. I'd know more about their lives. Great. What can I do to make this a habit? Maybe get to bed earlier, maybe, and then you make the habit. I know, not easy. Just different. And you don't even need to do all four. Just work on one of them. Your thoughts, your feelings, your relationships, or your habits. I'm telling you, folks, change is hard, and I think the idea is don't get caught up in the need to perfect this. Talk about progress. Think about direction. If I can think better today than I did yesterday, oh, that's a huge advantage. If I can feel better today, just a little bit than I did yesterday. Or if I can feel overall better this week than I did last week or this month than I did last month, that's better. If my relationships are a tad bit healthier, stronger, that's great. If my habits are a little more aligned to more who I want to become, it's great. I don't need you perfect at it because the reality is you won't be. And I think that's actually the reason that this works because you don't need to be perfect. That's a thought you might need to change. You don't need to be perfect. You need to be you and you need to be connected and growing every day, not even perfectly, just you growing a little day, every day. Interesting stuff, huh? Anyway, that's uh, my take on New Year's resolutions. Everybody's got their own take. Come on. But uh, we're going to take a break. It's it's life, folks. That's why we're – that's why we do the show. That's why we're trying to give you the help that we can and uh, – In the end, you're the only one that knows you. You're the only one that can question really deeply, profoundly your thoughts, your feelings, your relationships, your habits. You're the one that matters. Um, So get into you, especially before you try to fix the outside of you, work on the inside. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. More tools, more ideas next hour on The Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. You know, this is the show uh, where we give you the information, the tools you need for your life. Everybody brings you the news. Uh, we bring you the news, but we also try to take certain stories a little deeper so that you can benefit and know how to adjust your life to what's going in the world, on in the world around you. And uh, we'll be doing even more of that today. Hey, uh, interesting news when you think about it. Um, the whole standoff that's going on in Oregon they people are upset with the federal government we had a wonderful guest on our show earlier this year talking about uh, the land issues where and it may not be that big of a deal to the people on the east coast because you know the federal government might only own a a small percentage of a state back in New York um you know maybe 5 10 15% to some of the eastern states but they the government can own sixty seventy percent of a state in the West, and so in the West you'll notice these issues are coming from the West, and so there's a group up in Oregon, you've heard all about it um you know creating some problems and but you just gotta love uh they're they're trying to do the best they can. people are coming up with new names for this group um the ter- you know, they don't want to necessarily call them terrorists because you know, they they may not that might diminish what a real terrorist does. So instead they're calling him Yal Qaeda, Vanilla Isis, <laughs> and Yokel Haram. And they're uh, of course, in a war called Yihad. Yihad. <laughs> yep. But uh, they're they're in a standoff. The government, I think they're With, handling it well. Uh, I mean, it's not a standoff, I guess, if it's one sided. There's nobody there. I guess it's just a stand.
3: There, 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 there might be some local county sheriff presence, but that might be more just because the media is blocking the road. Maybe they're probably
2: there for crowd control. Yeah, it's uh, so the stand. So it is a standoff. Uh, it's a stand by the people fighting the government, and then. The government's position is they're pretty much off. Yeah, they're they're off the they're off the. The government's concerned with you
3: know the there was the Waco situation, there's was the Ruby Ridge; those both ended horribly. But we
2: don't want to go there and again, so they're
3: just kind of staying away, monitoring from a distance. But I mean, nothing's happened, nothing illegal's happened, mm-hmm. other than they're occupying this cabin type structure. Calling I, I I did I heard some people discussing it, calling it a building. Almost gives it like too much credit a federal yeah. building it sounds like you know like a treasury building or a courthouse or something no it's kind of a it's like a shanty a rest stop <laughs> on the side of the freeway it kind of looks like yeah eh, a ranger station of some kind it's not it's not a significant structure, and it would almost be the fact if they just walked away and it would just stop because no one's paying attention, but I don't think that'll ever happen,
2: yeah. You know what? Just hope it does. Just hope it goes well. We don't need a Ruby Ridge, and, and at this rate, we won't. They let some reporters into the building. Oh, really? They're just like
3: and just you know, kind of look around. How about it? And, and and so they can document what... And there's like a weight room in there. There's some free weights, so they can work out. And there's a a boombox, so they can toss in some tunes. And they have soup. <laughs> Yeah, soup and uh, vegan beef jerky. Some provided yeah. by Peta. Peta brought him beef jerky. So, <laughs> well, it'd be vegan jerky. Yeah, sorry. Yeah,
2: yeah. Made out of cucumbers. or The jerky they call it. The jerky. <laughs> I don't know what they call it. Hey, did you you you've created a monster? What did I do? You told me to go watch Making a Murderer on Netflix. Oh yeah. I can't stop. What? I'm I am addicted. How, how many episodes in are you? Uh, five.
3: Yeah. It's. For Netflix, it's relatively quick. It's like 10 episodes.
2: Yeah. But for those that don't know, it's a story of a guy named Stephen Avery that was basically charged with a murder that he eventually was exonerated from because DNA exonerated him. Well, it was an assault. Oh, sorry. That was an assault. And uh, 18 years of serving jail time, prison time, he was then exonerated. He was – then there was this whole – then he had this – He won $400,000 for having to go to jail for 18 years. And, you know, it was tragic. Right. And then
3: a murder. And And then then, he was implicated and then he used that $400,000 he just got to pay for the lawyers and then we'll stop.
2: Because and then, then, then that's a lo- the rest of the story and the rest of the story <laughs> is just crazy weird amazing but twist, over twist, twist. between
3: Christmas and New Year's it was a huge story of yeah. not huge story but it, I saw it a lot on Twitter and Facebook people just going nuts and commenting on it and uh, so my wife and I decided to watch it and now my wife's just mad because once she get to the end, yeah, is there's, there an answer?
2: There's, there's no, no closure. Like, oh. But the people are still begging for closure because they're wanting Obama to intervene. They're wanting which he can Scott, uh, Scott Wa- Walker to intervene, which he apparently won't. So no. But again, but it also does tell you that it's just a great lesson in the our world that we live in because things aren't necessarily fair or equal, and uh, it's it's just interesting, interesting stuff. So we'll um, we'll you know I. I don't even know what to tell you. I can't give you more information, because spoiler alert. And when I do that, then everybody gets mad. It's crazy. Hey, uh, one of the things uh, we like to do on the show is just we like to help everybody. You know, give everybody some tools, some ideas on how to live healthier lives. We especially like to do it with uh, bad boys, bad boys. Do? with the Bad Boys. What you we want to help everybody. And so uh, I, I wanted to give just a little advice, a little coaching advice to potential burglars. A Georgia man was caught allegedly burglarizing a Walmart in Delray Beach, Florida. He told police that he was merely I'm not burglarizing. I'm just I'm, I'm seeking a job application. Just looking for a job application as a mystery shopper. Delray Beach police didn't know uh, uh, what they didn't buy it. They didn't buy Alexander Weigard's story. After he was arrested, but they found Weigard was allegedly in possession of a loaded handgun and illegal drugs. And he allegedly walked into a Walmart uh, and took a hoodie, sweatshirt and some sweatpants and he put it on over his clothes. The arrest report states that Weigard then walked into the store manager's office and removed a garbage bag from the trash can, filled it with electronic equipment and other items. And he told police that he was at Walmart applying for a job as a mystery shopper. Because he thought that'd be a cool job. It would be. I mean, I mean, in a way, he is a mystery shopper. Yeah. Because it's a mystery. He put on a disguise. <laughs> yeah, it's a mystery. He's sneaking around back rooms. Totally. Yeah. He's already got the job. Wyguard could not explain to police why he was carrying a loaded gun, however, or a ski mask in Florida. So the gun, you could say, because it's America. Mm-hmm. And the ski mask might be a little chilly. But he's like, it's not even my gun. I mean, I got it from a tall, skinny black guy. At the Dunkin' okay. Donuts. <laughs> Holy cow! When I when I read that story,
3: the reason I put it in there was because at the end, the explanation of the gun is at the Dunkin' Donuts. is this guy next door at the the other restaurant. He gave me it's not mine. He I, just you, handed it to me. Do you, officer, officer? Do you think I wanted the gun? Do you think I'd want a gun? You could just see him trying to make this sound as plausible as possible.
2: I'm here and as a mystery going, shopper. What? I'm
3: wearing sweats
2: over my clothes.
3: He had uh, ended up being around $400 worth of elect- electronics and things that he had pulled off the desks and put in his
2: Interesting, plastic bag. that he had pulled because the mystery shopper should have actually just stayed in the shop. Yes. Out on the sales floor. If Not you will. necessarily in the back offices. No. Hmm. So he's
3: really a mystery but- manager. Well, he was looking for an application. Oh, that's right. He wanted to fill out an application. He thought, where would they be? Probably on the manager's desk. (laughs) And then he got back there and he's like, oh, there's some other stuff. Maybe it's underneath this stereo. And he put it in the garbage bag.
2: Well, he just moved it. He moved it to the garbage bag area. It's
3: all plausible, every aspect of the story, including
2: the Dunkin' Donuts story with where he found the gun. You know what? Um, Just a little advice to our little mystery shopper. Next time, just maybe just go online. Yeah, to apply. <laughs> Just go online to apply. It's hey. tough to find work out there. Right. Hey, and to Dunkin' Donuts, you got people giving guns away in your store. Apparently. <laughs> Focus, folks. Anyway, crazy stuff. Uh let's get to the headlines, Terry. Anything going on around the world we need to worry about. There are, thanks
3: Matt, all 17 miners trapped overnight in an elevator more than 70 stories below. Are below ground in upstate New York, have been rescued. Miners at the Cargill Salt Mine in Lansing were starting their shift around 10 p.m. Wednesday when an elevator became jammed 775 feet down in an access shaft. Cargill rep uh, Mark Klein says no one was injured in the incident and rescue workers were in constant contact with the miners. Ted, Donald Trump has repeatedly implied this week that there might be a question as to whether the Canadian board Ted Cruz is legally able to be president. On Wednesday, Cruz issued his first non-tweet-based response.
0: Oh, look, The the legal issue is
4: straightforward. The son of a U.S. citizen born abroad is a natural-born citizen. The Constitution and laws of the United States are straightforward. The very first Congress defined The child of a U.S. citizen born abroad, as a natural-born citizen. And by the way, many of those members of the first Congress were framers at the Constitutional Convention. At the end of the day,
3: this is a non-issue. That sound life from Ted Cruz's tour bus, which apparently is running well. Uh, Ted Cruz points to John McCain, who was born in Panama. George Romney, born in Mexico, and Barry Goldwater, who was born in Arizona before it was a state, as examples of other natural-born citizens who weren't actually born in the United States. Except John McCain was born on a military base type situation, so yeah. technically that was U.S. soil at the time. Uh, the Hill quotes press secretary Josh Ernest who's the uh, White House press secretary, who noted it would be quite ironic if Republicans nominated Cruz after the birther conspiracy that dogged President Obama for so many years. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Kim Jong-un isn't going to like his birthday present from South Korea, which says it will resume loudspeaker broadcasts into North Korea on Friday, which is the uh, most excellent leader's birthday. I'm not sure that's what they call him. but He has a birthday? Apparently. He was... He he started at some point. That's on Friday. Okay, wow. So they're going to start a loudspeaker broadcast. It's fallout from Ponyang's purported test of a hydrogen bomb, though the White House has its doubts, uh, back in August, South Korea began broadcasting anti-North Korea propaganda up to 15 miles into North Korea. They have a great speaker system in South <laughs> Korea just blasting across the uh, demilitarized They make zone great
2: there. speakers there.
3: After two South Korean soldiers were injured by landmines outside of a border post, South Korea ended the broadcast after North Korea apologized and a deal was reached, but it said it would resume any uh, abnormal it would resume with any abnormal situation the latest test is a grave violation an official says our military is at a state of full readiness and if North Korea wages provoking provo- uh, provo- uh, if they provoke us, provoking yeah you get that point we just can't say a word oh every day oh it's brutal there will be firm punishment so they're going to turn the volume up on the speakers
2: you know what, in fact let's just we do have audio from the DMZ demilitarized zone yes. between North and South uh, Korea let's check in on that speakers are
3: great they're great good bass yeah okay anyway back to you terry good highs and lows sleep problems are widespread in the u.s affecting adults and kids alike but a new survey from the centers for disease control and prevention finds that single moms not only sleep less than any other demographic they also have a harder time falling and staying asleep as they are more likely to wake up not feeling rested most mornings reporting from the la times Single moms wage the biggest battles. About 44% get less than seven hours of sleep a night compared to 38% of single dads, 31% of women in two-parent families, and 30% of women without kids. Interestingly, 10% of women without children say they regularly use meds to fall asleep more than any other group in the survey. Well, that's hard. That's, it's already hard. Now you're not sleeping. Just, and they, they equate it to the stress... To worrying, sure. to just having all these other work and
2: all the rest. Netflix. Uh,
3: you have to do everything to, as a parent, and you're kind of just by yourself. Obviously, my mom so.
2: was a single mom, and she just learned to sleep anywhere, anytime. That's hard to do. Yeah, easy to say. It's really bad for like friendships. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough. Oh wow. Well, okay. We got Let's. We got to do. A, we got to get an expert on about sleeping single moms. We're going to take a break, folks. When we come back, Heather Ann Johnson, Hadge, we call her, from uh, Brigham Young University here. She will be uh, coming to join us to talk about your family, your children, and New Year's resolutions. Should, should we be you know, promoting New Year's resolutions with our kids? Stick with us, folks. We'll be talking about that up next, right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us is Hatch, Heather Ann Johnson. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. Heather's uh, one of the great uh, guests that we have on the show. She works here at BYU, teaches um, teaches classes, and, and really about how to live healthier as a family, but to get out, to get moving, to get healthy. And to build while you're uh, while you're getting healthy, build a happier, healthier, loving, more stable type of family. And uh, ha- Heather also has a, a great website called FamilyVolley.com that y'all got to go check out. She um, she also has a blog called or a book called Family Fun Fridays, and soon uh, we'll be releasing other books. Fam, uh, what is it? Family Fun Mondays through Thursdays, and Family Day of Rest on Sunday.
0: Yeah, there you go. It's, ways to Rest. I think Sundays is what I'm looking forward to the most. That's a good book. That's yeah.
2: going to be a great be a really book. really good book. I hear it's going to be really short.
0: You know, places to take naps in your house. Yes. How to take a nap.
2: Everybody needs a nap.
0: How to do nothing.
2: But now talk to me, Heather, because you've got uh, – you're going to teach us about family or re, what are they called? Resolutions. Right. With our kids. With our
0: kids. Yep. Are you
2: big into resolutions?
0: I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not huge into it. Isn't that weird? I, I, I kind of feel like – if something needs to change or I wanna improve or do better, why why not in June? Yeah. Or why not in why August Valentine's on the 12th, Day exactly. Right? Anytime. So the reason this is important though is because our kids right now are hearing so much about New Year's resolutions right. that it's a great time to kind of jump on board because they're already hearing about yeah. it. And the reason we're gonna worry about this is because resolutions teach our children perseverance. Mm. And so it's much bigger than simply a new year's resolution. You know, we can we can really do this at any time. But why not while we're hearing it all over the place and it's, you know, everything from social media to in schools to kind of the theme of January, why not use it as a way to teach our kids to be more perseverant, right? Well yeah, and
2: and resolved and resolute and and I mean what it really is, goals right. are about Perseverance.
0: Right. And these are life skills. Again, remember, we're always coming back to recognizing that when we work with our families and with our children, we're trying to teach them the life skills that they need forevermore. Not not just yeah. for today or not just because they want to make the swim team. But the fact is what it takes to make the swim team is also going to be what it takes to get through biology in college so and what it takes to get through, you know, those first couple months of your first job that's miserable Oh yeah, or, or you know, to deal with a spouse or to deal with children. So these are really important life skills now perseverance is really just having enough self-discipline to continue in something even when you're confronted with difficulties that's mm. that's what it is it's having enough inside you to to move forward that discipline it takes to continue even when things get hard uh, I know in our home one of my favorite quotes is by Albert Einstein and he said it's not that I'm so smart it's just that I stay with problems longer mm. And I love it because isn't that the truth? Oftentimes it's not so much that we have to be so much smarter. It's that we've got to be willing to have the discipline to actually stick with something.
2: And we're not good at that.
0: We're not.
2: And I don't know. I don't ever want to be like, oh, these younger generation. But- We bail our children out a lot. We
0: do. We bail them out. And plus, they are inundated with a society right now that is teaching them that they should get things right away and that they should have it all with a lot of ease. And a lot of that is because social media is showing them such easy things. Mm -hmm. They don't see the backside of the camera and all the work (laughs) and the energy and effort that goes into that picture that makes it look so fun and so easy. I just
2: dropped my son off at his uh, new dorm.
0: Oh, ooh. That's a big step. Huge step. Were there tears? Be honest. No,
2: no. It was great. (laughs) Did you throw a party? I did. But when I walked in there, I was like repulsed because this place is a mess. Really? Six boys. This place is a mess. They don't even lock the place. (laughs) It's like, like it's not even worth locking. Because <laughs> they don't care if someone takes something. But I thought, something. wow. Sure. Okay, good. Good for you, son.
0: Yeah, there you go. Well, and you also look around and think no one in here was taught anything, right? No, that's right. right. It, it takes a lot of self-discipline to be the type of adult we want our children to be.
2: I did get him shots.
0: Well,
2: that's good. In case anyone's worried, he's got his immunity.
0: Those, those ser- that series that they yeah. that you need when you go to like a third world yeah, country. The tetanus yeah. series. So he'll be set to go. He's good to go. Worms, all that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's good.
2: Oh yeah. So it, it, I love this whole ob- objective. Is that you're not you're skill oriented. Right. You're not just goal oriented. This right. is about acquiring the tools for life.
0: Right. That that they have what they need to grow into responsible adults. So there's a couple ways we can go about this and kind of some ideas to throw out. But the first thing we want to recognize is that children don't have experiences in life enough to know how to go about this themselves. They don't. And this isn't natural. It isn't. It isn't natural. They're not going to wake up and think, let's do something – Really hard today and do it every single day to (laughs) master it. That's not our thoughts. And so what we want to do when we get started with our kids in working through perseverance and using kind of these resolutions to do this is we want to look at what they're already doing and help them recognize the areas that they're already using skills that would be applicable this way, they have a frame of reference. They have something to relate to. Now, they'll be able to relate to stories about our childhood and stories about other people. You know, that works really well, too. But if first and foremost, we can say, hey, you know what? Do you remember last year when you wanted that new bike? And so you went around the neighborhood and earned money mm-hmm. for that new bike. That's a goal they had. They set that goal, and then they did what they needed to do in order to acquire or accomplish, right? Faced with difficulty, they accomplished that task. Yeah. They had the self-discipline to everyday the neighbor's lawn or whatever it might be right and so allow them to first see where they have already started doing this hopefully we don't look at them and go oh man I I got nothing I got nothing for you I'm done (laughs) shoot (laughs) (laughs) we are gonna have to work back to Albert Einstein and use his but what we want to do is see where we can find their own now once we start to do this we want to make it very clear what it is that they use the skills that they used in order to accomplish that we always want to talk about effort skill and ability Don't talk about the bike, the bike, the bike. Praise them for the effort, skill, and ability. Just keep those three words running through your head. Praise your kids all the time. But effort, skill, and ability because that's what carries with them. The bike they outgrow, mm, right? Yeah. So if we're constantly saying good work, it's an A, it's an A. Or it's an award, it's an award. Well, fantastic. But the the award goes in a box and doesn't oh, matter, yeah. right, yeah, in yeah. second grade. One second grade is over. It's not going to get you through college. And that bike you're going to outgrow and those things won't matter. But the energy, effort, and skill you used, those matter forever.
2: And And, and that's – Boy, for a child to know that life is about effort right, right, and a a skilled, whether inherent or acquired, it's huge.
0: It is huge. And we want to be constantly praising them when they exhibit those things, right? That's great. So we're going to get started with them. And one of the first things we can do once we've kind of helped them see where they're already doing these things is I want you to have your kids write a list of everything that's easy for them to do and everything that's difficult for them to do you're going to make it that simple. You're going to have them divide a piece of paper and easy and difficult and write down the middle and have them fill both sides with the things that are really easy and really hard. What we know from research is that people who are constantly working on the difficult side are more successful. Yeah, It's, it's flat out oh, that yeah. easy. That's just what it is. And so when our children, when we want to help them start to think, well, what could I choose as some of my goals or what could I be working on? We want them to choose more from the easy than the hard because they're young we need the easy ones to buffer the blow yeah. of what's much harder right. but we want to make sure they choose at least one from the difficult side so they're constantly putting forth the effort it takes to do something that's hard life is hard yeah as yucky as it is to say <laughs> and and you know we think when i'm an adult our kids think when i'm older all this and when i'm older all that or when i'm married it'll all work out I it doesn't no. it gets harder and harder but you and could harder. even
2: you could even take something that's easy for him like uh, well playing ball is easy for me right well great right. what part of playing ball is difficult sure
0: and let's work on dribbling that dribbling
2: with my left hand that's really difficult
0: okay so let's, let's do that let's while focus you're playing and, Right, right, basketball. and focus. And so you can break it down however it looks, and they, they'll they put in front of you what it is that their mind focuses on. Kids are very aware of their deficiencies, mm-hmm. right? They have peers that tell them all the time. Right. We have measurement devices, you know, feedback loops that are constantly saying you're measuring up or you're not. You know, it, just like we do as an adult in work or at home, kids have that too, and yeah. they sense it and know it.
2: And, and just think how many times as parents we're not, Bringing that out, we're not even mentioning that, but they know it, so that must create weird tension
0: in inside themselves. Inside themselves, yeah. Because it's like I know I'm no good at this, but my mom keeps telling me I'm fantastic, and I I looked
2: great out there. (laughs)
0: But I know full well I'm not. And so we want to be really upfront and honest. It's okay to tell them that something needs work or that this isn't going to cut it, right? We don't need to deliver it in a rude manner or an unkind way. We want to treat them as people, Mm. recognize they have feelings just like we do. But it's very important for us to be straightforward.
2: I love that. Let's take a break, Hedge. Uh, Heather Ann Johnson from Brigham Young University, and she's she's coaching us on – New Year's resolutions and how really to to promote the best in your child and your family. We'll come right back. Go check out our website, familyvolley.com We'll be right back. Stick with us. Welcome back friends to the Matt Townsend show. Heather Ann Johnson Johnson is joining us from FamilyVolley.com, also a professor here at uh, Brigham Young University. is uh, is really just incredible at getting our families healthy, active and psychologically I think balanced. Hodge, welcome back.
0: Thanks. It's good to be here.
2: Good having you. Talk uh, continue your discussion. You were teaching us that when we're giving, when we're setting goals with our kids it really needs to be from them. It's about them, and so and we need to focus on the fact that they have great effort, great skill, great ability. We don't necessarily need to make the goal about the their
0: A, right. The A itself, yeah. right? Or the it's new? It's not bike. about
2: the A. It's not about the bike.
0: It's not about the it's I your don't effort know, award. It is. You're it's,
2: trying hard.
0: It's about what they're putting forth because those, again, remember, are the skills that they'll carry with That's them. Right. 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 And so all of this really again wraps back to the need for our children to learn perseverance to learn to have the self-discipline to work through a task even when they're faced with difficulties. That definition in and of itself really sums up like every hour of every day, yeah, right? Totally. Whether you're at home as that's a mom right. or you're, you know, a woman in the workforce or a man in the workforce or a man at home, with it doesn't matter where you reside yeah. each day. Self-discipline is really tricky oh. and, and it's really digging deep. And that's what we're trying to do here with our kids is this perseverance. So once we've had them Write out for us what's easy and what's difficult so that they can start to see that. We have them choose a few things that are easy and one or two things that are difficult. Remember, this is going by, and you're the best judge of this what your children are able to handle, right? Asking them to choose 10 goals, we don't even choose 10 no. goals. And if we do, we've failed by February. I can't right? if my wife
2: gives me three things to pick <laughs> up at tasks, the store, right. I can't remember it's that. It's too many, right? right? That's
0: where you're glad you can type it in yeah. a phone and, and pull it back up. And so we want them to start really small. Especially if they're young, mm. now we often think, "Oh well, you know, high school to start these type of things. If you wait till high school, you have waited way too long, right
6: yeah, oh yeah,
0: our littlest children can set small goals to learn to have the self discipline to persevere, right, and we need to work through that with them, so even mm. when they're kind of you know two, three, four years old they're they're minuscule things. But in the long yeah. run, they turn out to be very big things for them as they build, right? These are building principles.
2: Right. Well, building I, I, I hear my kids fighting about practicing piano at sure. age 12. Right. And we could have been having them just make their bed at right. age three, four. Sure. Just go cover your bed.
0: Yeah, that's Just it. cover it. Just, just pull it up. Just and pull it up. It doesn't have to be perfect, right? right? No. We tend to go in and go, oh, that wasn't good enough yeah. or hey, it – we you got to be able to bounce right. a
2: quarter off of it. <laughs> right. yeah. We've
0: got to accept the energy and effort they and skill they put out, right. especially when they're doing their best, yeah. right? And so instead of going in and saying, hey, your bed's not good enough or pointing out all the things that are wrong, point out the fact that they did work hard or even the fact that they remembered. Our four-year-old remembers her bed every single day. She's a little That's bit. amazing. She, she loves it. She puts all the covers up. Are they perfect? No. But every morning she hears from us that she remembered and how great that is. Hmm. And those are skills, right? Oh, those are skills we're gonna use. Right. So once we've we've decided that they're gonna start small, we are gonna let them choose. Now that is like a <laughs> dagger to parents because I'll tell you right now, I have a perfect agenda for all of our kids. Right. If only they would follow you it. You could get them all they, to Harvard. They would be exactly where they need to go. That's right. And they'd be there early, right? We'd just be right on track but the fact is no matter how bad i think our you know son should be on swim team and he should already have an eagle scout and he should be ready for stanford or harvard he has his own goals we've got to let them choose mm-hmm. right now this doesn't mean that i don't help him get an eagle scout become an eagle scout because i feel it's important sure we have yeah. those things but when we're talking about them starting to learn if we can let them choose it it provides an opportunity for ownership When they have ownership, they're more likely to engage. It's just like us as adults, right? Right, right. I know if someone forces me, I don't really care. Not into it. I'm not into it at all. And in fact, I start to resent it. But when it's my own idea or I choose it myself, I'm a lot more likely to jump on board. It's the exact same thing with our kids. Same thing. So we're going to let them choose because it provides ownership. So they'll be a lot more likely to do it. Once we do this, we want to start listening for "I wish" statements uh-huh. because we're trying to figure out what it is that their energy and effort not only can be but should be funneled into to from, help.
2: That "I wish" is coming from them. From I wish them. I could do this. That's
0: exactly right. And so, if we're looking at them, going where should we start with them? It's just another place where we can know if they say, "Man, I I really wish I was better in English." Ding 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 ding. Yeah, ding. yeah. Let's let's. I set wish that I as could be
2: like. I wish I could be like my brothers.
0: Sure, right? And so we're going to say, what is it about your brothers that you admire? Right. Let's see if we can build on that. Even things like if they say, man, I really wish I had a new phone or I really wish I had a bike or I really wish mm-hmm. I could make them make the ski team. Yeah, All of those should be little lights that go off in our minds as parents.
2: It's telling you something from them. Right. Should and we just... not say, well, I wish I could be a billionaire. <laughs> Get used to it. I guess yeah. you don't do that.
0: But maybe just keep that to That's yourself. Right? Bad
2: parenting. 101.
0: <laughs> Even though we think it. How many times? Every day. Man, I would it was easier. I, I won't know. tell you that. And so we want to then jump on board. Take those I wish statements. It, it gives us little windows into their soul. This is this is truth that yeah. they're putting out there. Plus, it also gives us an opportunity to sit down with them and create a really good working plan towards this goal. We can have them write down the pros and the cons, the difficulties and the ease in it, the strengths and the weaknesses and say, OK, if you want to make ski team, these are the following things that I can see would help you accomplish that goal. What do you think we can do? There you go, yeah. And now you have a working plan that both of you have contributed to. It also helps parents recognize that there is a sense of buy-in from us. If we want our kids to have these skills, we have to be willing to help them get there, which means if our son says he wants to make ski team, it means he's probably gotta ski a couple times a week. Right. Which means I've gotta drive his cute little Heine yeah. up the ski slope That's to right. get him there, right? Well, what no
2: and, and but many times it's the parents goal and then right. we can't even get him to get excited to go skiing. Right. So that's why you have to start with them. We
0: have to start with them.
2: Then they'll get in the car just to do – you're the
0: one. Right. This was your goal. It's exactly right. And usually they'll actually pack their bag, get their snacks, make sure the skis are cleaned and ready – and they'll contribute to that. Mm. So we're not pulling. If we find ourselves nagging and forcing, we need to back off. Yeah.
2: You've, you're, they're obviously not motivated. Right.
0: And it's not working. Right. It is not teaching what we want it to teach. And so our approach needs to change and we hmm. need to take steps back. If you find yourself in that position, start by reevaluating with their choice. Let them choose again because we've obviously made that choice for yeah. them. right? So good. Or they found themselves in a position where the choice that they truly did make isn't what they think it is. And this is another good teaching tool because how many times do we find ourselves
2: This has changed. Things have changed. Right in the middle of something
0: (laughs) that, man, this sounded really good last week, but now that I've done it four days in a row, it's not so cool. So true.
2: And that is part of the evolution of development and growing.
0: Right. And so we've got to allow that. Remember, every instance, every day, every situation is an opportunity for us to teach them. Not in a boastful bragging, you know, pound on the desk weight, but just in a very subtle behind the scenes complimentary way they're looking to us if we don't fill their lives with those teaching tools they turn into adults who then can't produce can't support can't have self discipline so good so very simple things we can do Had to, now, we
2: got one minute what do you, what's what what could we do like what's one more thing that if we just could do this you
0: know what let's stay positive so yeah. so 20 second story there's a great story about a man who was in the military and he was he trained dogs for 30 years in the military hmm disciplinary in all of that when he was done he started a business doing the same thing the way the military taught him was through a lot of harshness to train these dogs and it would take three months to train one dog well he became so successful that he had a lot of clients a lot of celebrities who wanted their dogs trained faster once he'd started his own business and one day he was so busy that a dog did something and he accidentally gave him a treat and praised him instead of what he had been doing which was to discipline with harshness and he noticed that when he praised him, the dog immediately did what he had been asked. And so hmm. he decided he'd switch things up and try it that way. And so he started to use all positive reinforcement with these animals instead of what he'd learned you know, for 30 years and yeah. had used. And he found that the, that the time period to train the dogs went from three months to two weeks. And mm-hmm. not only that, but everyone was happier. Now, oh. not that our kids are dogs, but I'll tell you they'll respond as people the exact Absolutely. same way. Absolutely. Pavlovian. Right, go right with the positive. Forget all that other stuff. Always stay positive. And just like that story, it will go really from three months to two weeks. It will be Hatch. incredible.
2: Heather, that's it. And it feels right too, right? It,
0: it does. Now and I it don't need better. to be
2: angry at you.
0: Right, right. It feels better.
2: Oh, Heather Ann Johnson's her name. Go to her website, familyvolley.com. And you'll see all of her videos. Just great work there. And um, you can also get her book. We'll take a break, folks. Come back with our good buddies from BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. Oh, this is a good song. Perfect, perfect music to, to lead us down to our great tribal leaders at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen.
1: What's up? It's the
2: circle of
4: life.
2: I knew that would get you. You guys love show tunes.
4: I think this was the first movie that Jerem cried in. Really? Jerem. Jerem.
2: Do you want to talk about that?
1: No, I didn't cry.
2: <laughs> Was it when they held up?
1: I cried in Apollo 13 when they returned back to Earth. Spoiler alert. They did. Wait, they made it. Wait, what?
2: They came back. <laughs> I did not know that. Wait, what? Hey, are you still are you still sporting the stash until BYU basketball loses? I thought I I, I kept thinking that Donna or HR is going to come down and say, so you got to get rid of that, uh, people are complaining. They'd
1: be doing all of us a favor,
2: wouldn't they?
4: It's totally in compliance with the code of honor at Brigham, as Jerem specified on Monday. Listen, Did facial
1: it? safety
2: first. Yeah, yeah. You're, protect, you're protecting the upper lip. Yeah. But I, I'm not worried about the honor code. I'm just more worried about the creepy code.
1: I'm married. We're good. <laughs> well, that's good. It's, it's over. I got married. <laughs>
2: that's
4: I had really a fan tweet T- at touchdown. me yesterday. I had a fan tweet at me yesterday a picture of Michael Sarah with a mustache.
2: Hold on, who's he?
1: That happens every
6: time.
4: Yes, yes, in a beanie, and is like, okay, when did you get a new co host, Spencer?
2: <laughs> I, again, you know that I think he looks like Giuseppe. I don't even know who, He does look like Michael Sarah with, with the, a mustache. Like,
4: look, up, look up Michael Sarah with a mustache. No, I've got
2: him with a red hat on.
4: Yes, do you see?
2: That is tall. <laughs> Except he's got some hair. On his lip.
4: Well, I don't know. I Unlike think Jared's Jerem. mustache is I pretty seen similar
1: it. to Michael Sarah's.
4: I haven't
2: seen it in the last couple days.
1: Well, if, if I spoke like if, if I spoke like this, then maybe I'd be like Michael Sarah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I have a mustache. Michael like, Sarah from
2: the show um, Arrested, Development. Arrested Development. Development,
1: Juno, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, yes.
2: you, you look just like him. I have like a lot of people
1: looks even more like him.
2: Really? Yeah. I have a lot of people that say I look like Tom Cruise, uh, Matt Damon. People like yeah. that. <laughs> Who says that? My mom. <laughs> My mom says that every day. Now, they always say I'm like Michael Scott, which I think is rude. And I'm like, you mean Ooh. Steve Carell? That is rude. But they're like, no, actually, like Michael Scott. You're no, a lot man, like Michael Scott. Your whammy. leadership
1: skills are like Michael Scott. <laughs> what?
2: Hey, I've got to ask you guys something okay. because I've, I'm feeling a weird vibe, and I know you're going to talk about this on your show today, but mm-hmm. – uh. The University of Utah basketball has canceled their game with Brigham Young. They're they're series. Matt,
4: they need a cooling off period.
2: Okay, I it's, I I it's my undergrad. My undergrad was at the U. Um, I have a master's at BYU, but I don't get this. I mean, a cooling off period isn't this is sport. This is a rivalry.
1: There's no I mean, there shouldn't logical, be punches. rational sensical reason. For BYU and Utah not to play in basketball, right? In football, it it made sense to a degree that they wanted kind of a better game in the kind of tier of type of team that played BYU. Mm-hmm. Still, I didn't agree with the pause in football, but uh, in basketball, there's no it makes no sense. And uh, you'll hear what Dave Rose said. I oh, Dave Rose he was mad takes the high road, but he, this is as uh, hot as he's ever been. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so he generally
4: gonna... takes the politically correct route. He was, he was spitting some fire yesterday.
1: <laughs> yeah, and even then he held back. So you'll, you'll hear what he said. And what's the future like for BYU and Utah? I'm not talking next year's game that was canceled. I'm talking in the, in the future. What did Dave Rose have to say about how he thinks that's going to go? Because as of now, they ain't playing a game ever again. As, well, of, as of this moment,
2: and, and you can't make the argument, really, can you? That it was just because of some punches thrown, right?
1: There's no, there's no reasoning for this. There's, you, we can't have a discussion and go, oh, okay, that makes sense. There's yeah, okay. nothing can be Good. said. So I thought I was going it. crazy,
2: but it, it's also going to cost them eighty grand or whatever. It's going to yeah. cost money. I mean, well, this is a the, big. They're in the
1: Pac-12, Matt. They can afford it.
2: I know, but that's a it's crazy. Just drive down in your bus and play Hashtag a game, Coach eighty <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Okay, it, again, it's it just seems it's okay. You're covering this today. You're, yes, you're going to cover it, it from every angle.
4: I'm I'm telling you, Matt. We have ESPN's Jeff Goodman, one of the leading voices in college basketball analytics, on the show. He was uh, opinionated about it yesterday. He will discuss not only his reaction to the news, but what impact this will have on BYU moving forward. Because everyone's upset about the game not happening, but this affects BYU in a negative way.
2: Absolutely. This is a
4: home game scheduled for BYU against a quality opponent. So, along with that, what else? How else does it affect BYU? We also have the third new assistant football coach at BYU, Ed Lamb, on the show. It's loaded, man. It's
2: juicy. We
1: canceled a guest... To discuss more BYU-Utah today.
2: Wow. Seriously. hmm And, and on said, top of— Hey,
1: can we chat next week? Yeah. Because we got a lot to talk about there.
2: Right. Well, it was LeBron, right?
1: It was LeBron—yeah, it was some guy named LeBron. LeBron Le- Johnson.
2: LeBron. LeBron Johnson. not
1: LeBron James. It was a different LeBron. <laughs> LeBron James. LeBron
4: James.
2: It, it was—so you've got—let me get this straight. You're going to tackle this big issue about the game— but you're also it's and it's juicy. You're saying and then and we've got the stash. Anything else?
1: Um, and Ed Lamb as you mentioned, and, oh, and Ed Lamb, Jeff Goodman it. of VSPN, yeah, as you we mentioned. I'm telling you, we. But, but the people's tweets and reaction and the national reaction. The yeah. national reaction has been amazing. Okay, I don't know of a single person outside of uh, Utah, and even then, a lot of Utah fans are are quiet about this because they don't necessarily agree either. Have said this is an overreaction and odd, right?
2: Yeah, there's something to it. There's more to it.
1: What is it? I don't know. They're not saying
2: there's something hidden.
1: It can't possibly be the reasons that they stated yesterday, which is uh, emotions have become you know too high and player safety is a concern and they need a break. And right, listen, no. worse, come on. Way worse things have happened recently, and those games didn't cancel. Xavier and Cincinnati had an all-out brawl. I mean. Miami Miami Beach Bowl esque on the basketball court, <laughs> yeah. and they played the next year. They played, they played at neutral. a neutral
4: site, and then like it calmed down, and then they moved back to
1: home site. Right. So that, like, that's a great idea. That's not the reason it's being canceled. Well, that's okay. the reason they're saying. But it couldn't possibly be. No, I'll the tell reason. you exactly what the reason is. What? Just listen to the show.
2: That's it. You know what? Call Jeff Judkins.
1: We're gonna read a tweet that he sent out, and one from the athletic
4: it. director Tom Holmo that that's, has since been deleted. Oh yeah,
2: really? That's when you know it's good. Yeah. You have to delete it. Once they <laughs> take it back. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's a great game. Well, okay. So everybody, that—that's just in a few minutes. Top of the hour. We're oh gonna...
4: yeah, and there's a game tonight. BYU basketball actually plays. Oh, they're playing tonight. Well, who
1: cares about that? It's BYU. Yeah. Oh, is, we'll
2: get yep. to that. In a what team? What yep. team are they playing tonight? Santa Clara. And you're sure they're showing up? Yeah, they'll be there. They're,
1: okay. No, they're not afraid. So they'll come play. <laughs> oh,
2: holy smackdown. Okay, good luck guys. That'll be a great show. Everybody top of the hour. Guys, you got to go get into makeup and into your special suits. Um it's going to be a great show. Good luck okay. to you. Thank you guys.
4: Goodbye.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Bane. Um excellent stuff. I didn't realize it's getting ugly. That's a I mean that's a big deal. This is a rivalry game. I mean, I knew it bugged me. But you got to play your rival. you got to, right? I mean, Ben, you and I are rivals. We play. I was thinking the exact same thing. I mean, even when it gets, like, unfair and— Oh, even when there's blood. When it's one-sided and I've just taken you down, I still let you come back and play, and you come back and play. Well, that's not exactly how it goes. Pardon? What do you mean? That's pretty close to how it goes. Don't you think? No. OK, whatever. Let's change the subject. Hey, um, it is, by the way, I'm not going to take it any day. So if, take a hike. Exactly. So if you were going to just say, hey, I'm not taking it anymore. Today's the day to do that. Today is the day you, you probably want to do that. Uh, it might also be good to do that in Washington, D.C., because the D.C. Council uh, is considering raising traffic fines up to a thousand dollars. It's a truck. The D.C. Council will hold a public hearing this week on controversial proposal to raise traffic fines in the district, among them a $1,000 ticket for drivers going over 25 miles an hour over the posted speed limit. A $1,000 speeding ticket in Washington, D.C. The D.C. Department of Transportation plans uh, has ignited strong criticism from drivers and their advocates who question the city's intentions. But they've got to, you know, they're basic, they're saying, you know, there's a penalty. You got to, and we got to pay for stuff. So, bada boom, bada bing. I don't know. Seems a little bit uh, excessive there. Also, a bank robbery suspect dropped a cell phone paperwork with his name and address on it. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you In our bad boys, boys file. Be. This is where we try to reach out to the criminals of America and help them improve their game. Authorities said a suburban Chicago bank robber was arrested after he dropped his cell phone and paperwork with his name and address at the scene. Uh, We've we've told the story many times. We've coached this idea many, many times. Folks, if you're going to rob a bank, don't take your phone. Don't take any identifying information. Don't take your name placard from work. Don't, you know. Get in, do your robbery, get out.
1: Or at, least, or at least leave it in the car.
2: Yeah, leave it in the getaway car. Yeah. With your getaway driver. <sighs> do we have to tell everybody everything? Hey, let's get to our hero of the day. Our hero is Captain Adam Cohen of Endeavor Air, a regional airline owned by Delta I- Airlines. When the the Weibel family ran into a flight delay on their way to Tennessee, they were worried they would miss a funeral of J.W. Short, a 56-year-old husband and father of three who died on December 16th after losing a battle to lung cancer about five months after being diagnosed. By the time the family's plane had landed in Minneapolis, they had only seven minutes to get to their Tennessee-bound plane. The family dashed to the gate. But they didn't make it on time. The plane was taxiing toward the runway, and it was too late to board the plane. Or so they thought. The family waved their arms at the pilots and ground crew while their two daughters cried. The pilot, Captain Adam Cohen, saw the desperation on their faces through the airport windows. Uh, That's when he made an unprecedented move, turning back the plane toward the gate and let the family make it on board. Marcia Short, Jay's wife, said on Facebook, that Cohen and his first officer blessed my family and gave us a gift that no one else could. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, Captain Cohen has been praised by his employers and said that his uh, helping the family had made an impact on him and the crew. Cohen said that this is something we all take with us, knowing we made a difference. Little moments like this to us are big, and to these customers, they're big, and they keep coming back to, to Delta Airlines. But at the end of the day, it also keeps all of us going. So to Captain Adam Cohen of Endeavor Air, you are the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. You see it in the needs uh, of others. You see it in their faces. And when you are turned to compassion, uh, when you see pain in another person, you've just elevated the game, not only for your company and for your team, but for the rest of us. So we honor you. That's the show, my friends. We'll be back again tomorrow. More ideas, more tools to help you see the good in the world. Until tomorrow, let's look out for each other. Let's be there for each other, and let's make it a great day. We'll talk again tomorrow.